Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recording in progress. Recording. And uh, I've been saving this part. Roger and I just talked for a couple minutes. I've been saving this part because I wanted to get your genuine reaction. So... As I was just telling Roger, uh, I'm slowing down on the episodes. I'm trying to do five a week now instead of like nine. And I'm no longer doing two a days unless it's like extraordinary circumstances because I'm just tired and uh, I'm burned the fuck out. And uh, I tell little things, as I just said, Roger, terrible lip sore, which looks like I just blew a homeless person. (laughs) But I got that, which I always get from stress. I got them at pre-med a lot. And... um, also, like, I know it's body aches. Like, two days ago, I pulled something in my back. Dude, I, could, I laid in bed with a fist under my back, and I had to stop watching funny videos because when I laughed, I would ju- it would spasm and clutch. So I just laid there like this for, like, six hours just watching, like, like alien scenes from movies. I'm laughing, but I feel your pain. I mean, it's, literally, I have felt your pain. It's like all the stuff you're talking about is stuff that has also just, happened to me. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's, take it from twenty four years in your future. <laughs> it, yeah, it's so. So yesterday I woke up and my mom and nurse was like, "The worst thing you can do is like do nothing if your back hurts." She was like, "You have unless it's like you have like to a, move it." Yeah, she's like, "Unless it's like an actual spinal injury, which it's not, you got to move around because it's." So I was like, "All right." So I went and like walked a mile at the gym. I came back and I like cleaned my apartment all day yesterday. Just something little, just like just keep moving around. I got to the end of the day, still hadn't showered from when I came back to the gym because I had just been cleaning all day. Went to take a long, hot shower, and I was like, oh, I'm going to relax. Got a new razor. And shaving, right? No nicks, no nothing. I went up on this side, and I you can't see it, but I sliced right in my ear. And I went, <laughs> now hold your horses. And I went, I went, ah, fuck. And I, and I, kind of launched it. And then your back goes out. No, 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 no. My back didn't go out, thank God. The razor (laughs) went up and went down and hit the tip of my penis. Oh! (laughs) And sliced not just the razor, I mean the blade hit and sliced into the tip of my penis. I saw the color white. It was the pain. It was the three-week duration pain of getting your tonsils out in one millisecond. I just want. It just. And and so I'm bleeding out of my ear, and there's a cut on, on my dick, and I'm just going. And I'm just screaming, and and I'm and as I'm screaming, I'm kind of like blowing the water out, and it's mixing with the blood, so like the walls are bloody as my dick is bleeding and my ears, and I'm just screaming, and I'm just, and it and it really dawned on me then more than ever that I was like in that moment of just peak rage, I just like I literally was like five episodes a week, that's it, a bitch, and, and so and I will say biology has done a number. I will respect biology. Because it, TMI, 
it coagulated a lot quicker on my dick. It just it your body recognized it was like this is a vital organ for reproduction, and it slowed down the bleeding within like a minute. Just stop. Well, the genitals, the, the ear, genitals are known to heal faster than any other part of your body. Ear bled first. I, I shit you not. Yeah. Two hours. It was just a little drop, but it just so finally I had paper towels and I put some old Bose headphones over it. And just left it there for two hours, and then I took it off and started bleeding again. I took a shower, and it was fine. Generals completely—it was like it was like the worst pain I've ever experienced. And I'm not even kidding. Within <laughs> within thirty to forty-five seconds, it didn't hurt anymore, and it stopped bleeding. So it was like, yeah. So that little story, <laughs> just blood on the because it's a white shower curtain with white tiles. And There's remember, the, you turned on recording before telling this story. Oh yeah, no, for this story because I wanted <laughs> to tell you this, and so. So I'm just screaming, and there's just red, pinkish water going down the tiles as it's coming down my ear, and I'm just like, and I'm screaming, and I'm, and it was just like. Actually, if it took your ear that long to stop bleeding, you might want to see if you you might be a little bit anemic or well, something. It, That's I had taken aspirin the day before for my back. Oh, that yeah, which that'll do it. Starts with the clotting, which is even more amazing that like the genital cut stopped. Stopped bleeding so quickly. Where's my ear? I knew it was from aspirin. I knew it was from my. That's what it was. Yeah. The yeah. The, it's 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 known for a long time. The genitals heal much more quickly than any other part of your body. I mean, that's which is biological like, prioritization, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I realized. And dude, not didn't even like within a minute stopped hurting. Like I could. I'm wearing pants right now. Fine. Like no, mm-hmm. which is just insane. But I mean. Whereas my ear is like still kind of tender, but I wish, I wish there had been a camera recording. As I'm, if someone had walked in, it would have gone viral. If someone had walked in, it would have looked like a scene, a scene out of American Psycho. I'm just standing there with like blood because it was like splattering back up. So there was just drips of like you know going down my chest and my. I mean, it looked like I had been shot, but you know it's. It's just blood and then plus water. So it's there's just blood going down the front of me as I'm screaming. And I'm just like, and in that moment of clarity, I was just like. You've been working too much. I was like, I've been working. I was like, this doesn't. I was like, hey, the writing, the writing is on the wall and it's written in blood. <laughs> it was like. Real, literally. The, the, the literal writing is on the wall. It was instead of like exorcism, like leave the house. It was just like, yo, bro, chill out. It was, that's all it was. It just said Tommy pump the brakes <laughs> written in my arterial blood. And, uh, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's what happened yesterday. And, um, <laughs> and so I don't know if I'm under the weather today or if I'm just tired, but that's why I'm like 30 minutes late for you. It's cause I was just woke up and I was like, it's, it's your joint, man. That's, <laughs> that's fine. It's, it's, I'm, uh, I'm going to look at the reading, the writing and just be like, Let's 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 take it down a notch. Let's let's put cruise control on sixty. Probably a good idea. We're not on the autobahn anymore. All right, we, we're not on the auto. You know, there's turbulence when you're like taking off and getting to cruising altitude, but it's like we're at altitude now. Like take off the seatbelt. It's okay. Put on the autopilot. Yeah. Fucking put in. Get out this. Go get a blowjob from the waitress. What? And yeah. Stewardess. What flight are you on? <laughs> get your peanuts. In the 1960s. Yeah. When things were right. And that's. Yes. Uh, 
When you didn't have to present ID to get on a plane. You just fucking walk on there. Maybe you have a grenade in the 357 and you're D.B. Cooper. Maybe you're not. That's <laughs> But that's part of the mystery of life that made it sexy. And, you know, it's... Uh... So, for that TMI for everybody listening, sorry for that. Not really. But um, <laughs> that's where we are today. The great Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. Me and David O'Neill actually talked about your book for a little bit on Thursday. We, oh. uh I'll have to check that out. We did like a four. Like hours. I said, I can't check out all of your episodes because there's so many of them, and I don't have enough time. Very true. So if you alert me that uh, you, uh, I'll try to. Fi- me yeah, and- I'll try to find yeah. which spot. It was a four-hour shit show episode, but uh, we yeah, we talked about your book, and we talked about uh, yeah, what is it? Transcendence, the movie that was really a complete just. just Fucking rip off. Just cheated you. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, truly. And I was telling David, I was like, now it's not just like the singularity idea because that's like an old idea. I was like, no, like this movie is like a, I was like, oh, you, you really fucked Raj on this one. You really went, <laughs> you, you raped him. That's what it was. It was you raped him. And, uh, yeah, well, about two thirds of it. Then, yeah, then toward the end, they raped another guy who wrote a different book in the 1970s. But that's, yeah, and I happen to be familiar with it. But it's like, yeah, they weren't particular about it. It's but, they went Bill Cosby. They didn't want. Yeah, them. they didn't want. Well, them. and the thing that upsets me the most is they did such a crappy job. They it's like they took all of my ideas except the ones that were important mm-hmm. and didn't actually like get the fucking point of the story because the whole point of the story was that this is not necessarily the best thing in the world. But they were like so enthralled to the whole idea of the singularity that they didn't want to say anything bad about it. And so they made this depiction that is all like meant to be, ooh, candy cakes. And it's just like, it's just, you know, everybody gets healed and everything Mm -hmm. goes right and all. And they made it creepy as fuck. Yeah. So anyone in the audience is looking at this going, oh, my God, this is a fucking cult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> the entire thing is about it's like you can drink out of any stream in the world. And it's like. This is just like this is why Carolyn turned into what she did yeah. in my story. <laughs> you are the guy that shoots Johnny Depp with the radioactive bullet. It's just you. Just with a copy of Mopey, just wearing that Bob Lazar shirt, just going, <laughs> whatever the guy's professor, whatever, just bam, and he just. No, he was Johnny Depp. He was trying so hard to be Lawrence. Yeah, and you know, it's like, and and the white, you know, it was it was the whole thing was just such a. It's like. They failed to get it on so many layers. It's like they wanted to rip it off, but they only ripped off the parts they liked. And they failed to understand that the important part of the story was the part they didn't rip off, that they didn't like. And so the whole thing flopped like a it'd belly be, flop in a it'd be, pig house. Yeah. On a side note, Johnny Depp in that, man, if there's not something true that like – you know, I get blockbusters and I get like, you know, big actors and shit. But like, man, you can't have like huge actors in every role because then you can't detach from them because you see them as, you know, like I haven't even seen the movie. I've just watched clips. But like 
even just like once upon a time in Hollywood, like you see like Leo uh-huh. and you're like, but this is Titanic. This is Inception. This is Calvin Candy. This is, it's hard to detach yeah. from it. Now I got to say once upon a time in Hollywood is a special case. I okay. got I to okay. say, I, I got to say that Quentin Tarantino always pulls your pants down about yep. three fourths of the way through the movie and murders everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's like my dad only likes movies with happy endings. And I told him you need to see once upon a time in Hollywood. And he was like, I heard it's really like violent and gross. And it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. And he was like, Oh no, it's like, no, because it's a fairy tale. It's set in a different reality where the Tate Manson murders didn't actually happen and instead the murderers got murdered yeah i watched that scene which is fantastic it you know and there was this guy comes out you know the dude you know comes out with the flamethrower and everything <laughs> and, and 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 it's set up and and it's quentin tarantino movie so it's like there's these segments of it that are very long mm-hmm. And slow and drawn out, and then they whack you across the face with something that really hurts. So oh, he's, he's the best. I fuck. I love that about him. He's the best. Yeah, but my dad, my dad came back after that and said, "Oh my god, you were right. It was a great movie. He yeah. loved it. Yeah, you know, because it's a happy ending." Yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to watch it. Yeah, you're right. I do. It's, but you know there you are. Need, you need to watch that. You need to watch Colossus, the Forbin yeah. Project. Yeah, I know. I know. As as we've discussed, <laughs> maybe I'll start doing that because I'm going to start taking time. You know what we ought to do? We ought to do reaction videos. Roger. Where the two yeah. of us watch one of these movies. I I want you to shoot me if I ever do a reaction video. If I ever, if you ever see a thumbnail of me like. Tommy reacts to that is the green light for Dale. <laughs> Dale's going to see it and be like... Come in with a 50 cal and finish it off, right? I don't even want that. I want the knife. I want Dale to come with a stiletto knife dressed in black. I want the full CIA operative experience. I want to not know it's here. I just want to hear like a creak and be like, what was that? And it's done. <laughs> just game over. Now, I would like that to be recorded and get your reaction to that. I'll do a genuine reaction video. It's the reaction to me realizing I'm about to get murdered. That's the reaction. Speaking of which, uh, Dr. Robert Malone has been getting uh, death threats. He's uh, from, I guess, like, uh, I guess from, like, uh, legitimate sources. He's been informed that he needs to get, like, security. Which is no bueno. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Tommy. People are being gunned down on the streets in broad daylight in the neighborhood where I grew up. Yeah. In New Orleans, it's like everything is fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, so I, I. Yeah. No. Whatever. No bueno. It's no bueno. Um. Now, yeah, it's now you've got right now you've also got the vaccination situation. We only have 37% penetration in Louisiana. So, of course, the pandemic is coming back because the math said that it would if we have too many people who don't want to get vaccinated. Now, I am vaccinated. Mm-hmm. 
April 2nd, second jab. I'm done. I've, I've, it's like, okay. And while there are rebound infections, I could still get COVID again, mm -hmm. theoretically. It is nearly 100% that if I do, I won't end up in the hospital or die. I will just have a little, you know, down the side. Now, while I, while that happens, though, I could infect other people, particularly mm -hmm. other people who aren't vaccinated and they could end up in the hospital. But at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, if you haven't done it, we're, we're past. I had to get on a fucking waiting list. Oh, no, you're, com I, you're completely right. Who, who uh, wanted you know, to get it are going to get it. And, you know, the, if, if anyone is like, being like this, you know, they don't want to get, I've got coworkers who are like, well, I don't think I want to do it. And I'm like, don't expect me to come to your funeral. Yeah. Because, because that's what it is. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. You only got about a three or 4% chance of dying, but that's three or 4% chance. Then you need the vaccine is fucking free. Yeah. Yeah. You no, don't it's... need to do this to yourself or to the rest of us. Well, well, don't, don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to say I won't go to your funeral. It's not, it's, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. I know it's, a, I know. Well, it's I'll go to their funeral, but I won't necessarily, you won't I, 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 I get what the, I say I, when I'm there. I know, I know. I get, I get the, I get the, the, the saying, I get the, but I mean, it's, it's you know, whoever, literally everyone on every family member I know, they all have it. I don't know anyone over 50 who hasn't gotten it. And as Dr. Malone said on this podcast, and as I've emphasized a hundred million times, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-COVID-vax. I'm anti-censorship, which is why I'll continue to have doctors mm -hmm. on who talk about it, because that's just me. And I am too. As you are, which is why I had on Dr. Robert Malone, who after two hours of talking about all of the side effects for younger individuals like myself, he went on to say, and if you're over a certain age and you get COVID, you will probably die, so you should get this. So I'm with you. People who aren't going to get it aren't going to get it. And people who are, are. And it's yeah. at a certain point, it's like. Well, there's a lot of people who think that because, well, I have a strong immune system. This is the problem because the way COVID kills you is not quite the same as most viral diseases you know if the flu kills you it's because it basically disrupted enough of your cells turning them in, into machines to make little copies of itself that it disrupted your body's ability to conduct your normal bodily functions the way covid kills you is it makes your own immune system go ape shit and overreact the way i look at that is if you have a, a bad reaction to the vaccine, okay, if you take the vaccine and you get sick for a day or two, that's probably a sign that you really need the vaccine. They, you because would have been fucked you, by COVID, yeah. Because you would have been completely fucked if you had the actual disease that stayed in your body for two weeks, mm -hmm. making your, you know, fucking your immune system up like that, making you like, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm like, you know, I... It, it's just, but it's frustrating because it's a health issue. It's something that never should have been political. Mm -hmm. And somebody with an orange skin tone made it into a political issue. And 
everything is still fucked up because it's, of that. It's you know it it, it shouldn't it, we shouldn't even be. You and I shouldn't even be talking about this. We should be like, oh, yeah, we all got vaccinated. Everybody who has a fucking sense of anything got the vaccine. Because, honestly, the COVID vaccines are also a fucking medical miracle. Mm-hmm. They're, they're far more effective and far safer and were developed far more quickly than anything ever had been in the past. So it was like when, when the... I remember last year in January and February when the news was first breaking that there was this really bad disease, epidemiology. You got to remember epidemiology is about math. It's about if you have this gestation and this transmissibility and this is, they put that in the matrix and they're like, oh my fucking God. Yeah. Even though it only kills like 3% of the people it infects, it puts 10% in the hospital. But if it does that in all at once, then you don't have enough hospital beds. And then you've got people who have actual normal problems that would normally have no problem not having hospital beds to go to and so forth. And so it was and, – and the people who could do math were seeing this in January and February of 2020. And then when it did get here, we had an administration that just wanted to pretend it didn't exist. It's like, if we don't look at it, it'll go away. Except it didn't. And it's... (sighs) No, it's... No, it's... Yeah, I completely understand. I mean, don't get me started. I mean, it's... Oh, I I know. I I am started. Yeah, no, I do. I, I, I know. I mean, I literally every family member I know has it. Um, I, I can say, and I know Roger probably won't bite my head off. I don't have it because I'm 30 and I, I've exercised every day for the last 20 years, and I'm not you have a healthy immune system. That's great. It'll kill you much faster than a sick immune system of a 60 year old person would. If it gets too pissed off at the virus, if you should get it. Yeah. So, see, whereas, like, I don't want it is, like, right now, the, as of today, the CDC's updated says that there's been 10,991 deaths from it. I, I'm i going to take my risk with, with COVID. And that's just me personally. That's And that what it comes down to is is... What we said is the- all I want to say. All, all, all I want to say is because I live in Louisiana, we got thirty-seven percent penetration. We are way the fuck down from what we're supposed to be to have herd immunity. And I'm just like, you know what? I got the vaccine, mm-hmm. so if I do get it, I probably won't end up in the hospital. Right now, there's like four thousand people in the hospital in Los Angeles. You know how many of them were vaccinated? Okay, so take that as a data point. Oh, yeah, no. I'm I'm like, you know, at at a certain point, you have to realize that the human race is bonkers. And, you know, at some point, you can't fix things. You have to just walk away and let things things fall where they will. And, uh, you know, so it's like, I'm not going to sit here and, 
bash you on the head because you didn't get vaccinated. It's like, okay, yes, it is a free country. You can make that decision if you want to. I'm just going to say this once, that it's a very stupid decision. Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> okay. and, and, and you probably knew I was going to say that, so that's not even accomplishing anything. So well, there we are. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, it's it's having on the inventor and and talking to him and talking to him privately and being like, yeah, I get, you know, it is, and I'm, yeah. I'm 100% with you. I think we reap what we sow as someone that, has been in the hospital before for heart issues as young as mm-hmm. seven. And I am in, and I can't even say it, but my personal physician who at the risk of losing their job can't actually say it has told me it's in my interest to not get it. It's mm-hmm. what it comes down to is, is I got I, a spiffy new stent in one of my arter- in my lateral anterior descending artery, the one they call the Widowmaker. Yeah, for so my fiftieth birthday. My dad got one on his fortieth and his forty-fifth. Yeah, I'm very. I am. Yeah. I'm very. Yeah, I remember. I remember going to see my old man in the hospital in fourth grade because he had the Widowmaker. He survived. Shout out, old man. Yeah. No, I'm. This is. These are all things I'm. I'm hyper aware of. Um, people much smarter than me, including a physician who I've known for. Now a good chunk of my life has, you know, and also because one of the things COVID does it didn't do it to me apparently, but it it, it causes blood clotting, mm-hmm. which if you have a tendency toward coronary artery disease is really not good. Yeah. <sighs> no, but, it it is. It's and it's yeah. No man, I I feel you, but to me the absolute. Uh, I think you're right. Those who are going to get it are going to get it. The, now, to anyone else that's looking at what I'm saying going, see, he didn't get it. You probably need it. Well, you, you're, well the, the thing is, at the end of the day, only a few percent of us will get it, even if none of us do anything. Mm-hmm. But if 6% of your population dies in a year, that's bad. Yeah. You know, everyone's going like, why are we shutting down the economy? Why are we doing all this? It's because... If we did nothing and 6% of our population just died and another 10% was in the hospital for several weeks, assuming they could find a hospital bed, that would also destroy our economy. So it's like, it's not like we did this yeah. because some liberal, you know. Oh, yeah, no, and anyone that any thinks that's fucking things. retarded, it's. You know, it, it's it, it was about saving lives and, and trying to salvage a situation that anyone who could see the math on the wall knew was going to be very bad. Yeah. And, and very bad in a way that we hadn't seen for 100 years since 1918. Yeah. And in some ways, COVID is worse than the flu was in, in the way that it propagates because you're uh, – you're infected and not don't know you're sick for a longer period of time before yeah. the symptoms hit. So this is just like a perfect storm. Uh, you know, everyone thinks of you know they, you want to have bad you know a bad movie disease. They think of Captain Trips from The Stand. Ninety-seven percent of everyone dies. But the problem with diseases like that is they don't tend to spread. Ebola was like that. And you notice we didn't have a global pandemic of Ebola. You know why? Because it kills its victims too quickly. Yeah, too too lethal. So, yeah, it's too lethal. It doesn't 
give them enough time to infect new victims before their original victim croaks. Ebola is the original Tommy's podcast. It doesn't know to slow it the fuck down. Pump the brakes. You got to 500, but then you're going to bleed out in the shower. You know, it's pretty it's, much. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, it's it's I'm with you 100 percent. And, you know, I, as I I'm I'm responsible for my all, all I can tell you, Tommy, is that you can go to Walmart now and get the fucking shot. Oh, I know. It's also I didn't know him very well, but I did have classes with him. There's a guy I went to college with in Valdosta was in my fraternity, but I knew him. I knew him loosely a year younger than me. He's not unhealthy. It's not. It's just an average twenty-nine-year-old. He got his second shot and and died of a heart attack seventy-two hours ago. It's well, so you, yeah. But it's I, you know, it's I also know a guy from the gym in his sixties last year who got COVID and died. So like I'm very acute mm-hmm. of a former workout partner died from COVID, and a former. Loose yeah. died from. I, I can understand how that would freak you out, but it's... I can also tell you that I had COVID last April. I'm I am ninety nine percent certain that I had the actual disease, uh, but I had obviously a non lethal version of it since I'm still sitting here. But what it did do was it made me think I had arthritis, mm-hmm. like yeah, so bad, thing. so bad that I almost fell on the floor. I I got. You know, it was in fact it was like the Monday after we were told we're working from home now mm-hmm. for a while, right? Okay, so I'm sleeping in a little bit because I'm gonna go, you know, to my computer and the you know here this very computer instead of the office, and we're gonna get out of bed and I almost hit the floor because my hips hurt so much and I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? And what I'm thinking is, well, my mom had arthritis. She had to have hip replacements and shit. And I'm like, what? This is like chapter 27 of getting old. And I had to figure out new ways to tie my shoes because I couldn't Mm -hmm. bend over and do it the normal way. And And then after a couple of weeks, it just faded. Mm -hmm. It just went away. And I'm like, arthritis doesn't do that. Yeah. That was when I went online. This was this would have been toward the end of last April of 2020, and I found out that in Wuhan, where they tested everyone, they found out that among the people who tested positive, about 16 percent said their only symptom was joint pain, mm-hmm. and that was when it all clicked. Yeah, it's like, oh, I had COVID. Yeah, duh. Well. One of my coworkers who sits in the same room with me all the time lost his sense of taste. Another one actually got sick with classic COVID symptoms, but not quite sick enough to get a test because at that time you couldn't get a test unless you were half dead. And it was like, okay, yeah. And and we were all exposed to one of the first hundred people in the states of in the state of Louisiana who did test positive. So it was like fucking Roger. We're we're just like in the middle of this fucking thing that's exploding. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's it's because it's it's like you said it's turned into a political thing. I've never talked about. I tested positive for it back in August. Two people at oh. my work did. I was one of them. I was sick as fuck from July 30th to I remember it was two days after, so I just started this job at the liquor store, and I'd maybe been there for two weeks before I had to take nine days off. I couldn't get out of fucking bed, dude. One of the sickest I've ever been, maybe surpassed by when I had mono 
in like ninth grade, eight or ninth grade, no seventh grade. Oh yeah, in that time frame though, that yeah, that makes it very likely that you've had it, which means you probably have antibodies. Well, so and that, probably, and, that, and that's and that's also behind my that's also behind my decision whereas yeah listen well yeah it's, that looks, i knew i knew that i had probably had it when i got myself vaccinated because the vaccine is more effective than having had the disease before mm-hmm. that's not true of the j and j vaccine I, in fact the j and j vaccine the one shot vaccine is probably about the same as having had the disease which mm-hmm. is not quite as good on a personal level, it probably will keep you out of the hospital. Yeah. And having had it before will probably keep you out of the hospital. But as far as, like, the most complete possible prevention, the, the two-shot vaccines from Moderna, which is mine, and Pfizer, uh, they're just much better than anything that's ever existed. No one even realized they would be until they'd started administering them and testing and realized this is new technology. This oh, yeah. is like oh, second yeah. level shit, man. Oh, they're going back and they're they're trying to actually they're actually trying to make an effective uh, AIDS vaccine. Or is it AIDS yeah. vaccine or cure? But that's well, that was what they were trying to do with this technology when the pandemic came around, and there was like, oh, we have this other thing you might want to work on. Fucking pulled, the, and they were like, oh yeah, we can handle this. Pulled the, pulled the. Turns out the coronavirus was a little bit easier to deal with than HIV, and so they were quickly able to get up to speed. And uh, shout out to Bob Lazar. It's like they took the flying saucer out of the. You know, it's like we're. It's like we start World War Three with China, and they're like, "Well, we could pull." It's kind of like Independence Day. It's like we don't have any alien craft, and he's like, "That's not entirely true, Mister President." <laughs> that's what. That's what the mRNA <laughs> thing is. It's like we can't deal with this, and it's like that's yes. not. That's not entirely true. Entirely true. We just do have just something. Pull out the fucking silent saucer. Um, so I didn't know this, and it's probably good I didn't. And then we'll actually, and then we'll get to the real episode in a second. Yeah. But um, what was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Quantum computing. But there's, but there's a thing. There was a thing apparently going on. This conspiracy, and uh, I'm glad I didn't know about it till two days ago because this is just another rabbit hole I would have fallen down. <laughs> but it's uh. It's that apparently today, July 18th, is supposed to be the day that we make alien contact. Now, mind you, this conspiracy makes QAnon look like a a, uh, a Ken Burns documentary with documentation. It's based on it's based on a Reddit comment from 2013. It's this dude that says he was abducted. So there's this whole subreddit called uh, the name of the user was throw a throw a whalian like throwaway alien throw a whalian <laughs> and uh he said it in this he said it eight years ago it's going to be today july 18th and so it's become like a meme july at like a-i-t-e-e like july at and it's supposed to be today and i found it on friday and i was like how have i never heard of this and then i was like you know it's probably good i hadn't because you go like this shit because i love and that's the thing is like hey I love this shit. So I was like, this is, this is you, man. This is, so I was looking at it and I was like, man, I can't even get, I can't even get into this because there's nothing. It's based on nothing, especially when there's <laughs> actual Pentagon videos of UAPs and them acknowledge, you know, this kind of pales in comparison. However, apparently like at midnight on, so there's like the Perseid meteor shower, I think yeah. right now, apparently mm-hmm. at midnight there was, it's something called from what I'm learning. It's called like a, something something e 
it's like a phenomena e it's a type of phenomena where a, a bunch of meteors like it can just it can line up to where at one point it seems like one mass but really it's just a bunch of small ones there's like an actual phenomena for it and it's because they've studied it over the decades where it's like it's a thing where it's like if i if i threw a t- thousand tennis balls at your house at once and if the radar caught it in just <laughs> the right way it would look like a blimp or something you know however at midnight to the second UTC Universal during the meteor shower there was a live stream and all of a sudden the little spikes turns into one bar and it was what this phenomena was like phenomena E or whatever the fuck it's called I'm too stupid to understand it (laughs) and someone goes a massive object has just entered the atmosphere and I put my phone on airplane mode and said I'm not I'm not mature enough I don't have I don't have the the willpower to not to to do these conspiracies, so I put my phone on airplane mode and went to bed. I was just like, I'm not, I'm as I'm laying there with a bleeding ear and a bleeding dick, and I'm like, you know what, you know what, this is above my pay grade. I am, I'm trying to control what is in my immediate time zone, my immediate world. That's all. So you're gonna you're gonna love what I'm about to get into with quantum computers. Let me just take a piss and then we'll get started. So for everybody listening, today's episode is is about quantum computers, but Roger and I have clearly deviated wildly from that. (laughs) Just uh, a little bit. Just a wee bit, but um, yeah, let me go. Roger, tell everyone where to get a Mopi. Yeah, uh, so uh, Tommy has told you that uh, my novel, The Metamorphosis Prime Intellect, is his favorite book, and if you would like a paper copy, normal book, I would encourage you, instead of going to Amazon, which everyone does, uh, go to Lulu, L-U-L-U dot com, and look for it there, because they are the uh, publisher of Origin. And when you buy it from Amazon, I'm very grateful. You are giving me money and giving me stats and stuff. But uh, I only get about a dollar fifty of the proceeds from that because of the overhead from the whole system that the book chain takes. But if you go to Lulu, uh, they have to charge the same amount by contract, so they can't undersell Amazon and the other chain sellers. But they don't take as much, so they give me the rest, and I get like six bucks. So. Uh, just saying, you know, if you uh, have a couple minutes, I realize it's less uh, convenient than hitting buy it now on Amazon, but just a thing. Uh, and uh, Tommy will probably be along. We'll probably hear a flushing sound soon. Or maybe not, because he's got the soundproof booth now. <laughs> So, uh, and we got quantum computers to talk about. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not okay with, uh, controlling these, dabbling in these conspiracy. It's also just a shitty conspiracy. I mean, it really was. Based on nothing. I mean, it really... And you are a connoisseur. If you say it's a shitty conspiracy, it's a shitty conspiracy. Thank you. That is... It is... I, it is... And as... 
Roger wearing a fantastic shirt available at the merch store about Ball Bazaar. That's one that I enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy. I don't get. I don't really give it more credit. Yes, it's hard. And to- you may not realize this, but I also wear one of. I've, I've I've adopted the habit of wearing one of your two shirts that I have every Sunday, just for the hell of it. Even Thank if you, I'm sir. not doing a podcast, because Thank you, sir. it's fun. Thank you, yeah. sir. I put on a new. This isn't even one of my merch. I put on a new one today because. I was afraid, I was legitimately afraid I was going to start bleeding from my ear during the podcast. <laughs> and one, I didn't want to ruin one of my hoodies. Two, this is black and red. I was like, all right, it's going to blend in. I'll just turn my head to the side. <laughs> Tommy, are you all right? I'll be like, I'm fine. As you just see like a little drip. Yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm like, you don't need, I don't have the vaccine as I'm just bleeding out. I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. It's Tommy didn't get the vaccine. How did he die? Uh, he cut his dick in the shower. <laughs> And blood out, blood out from his dick. Man, right there. Like, by the way, that's, that, that's a terrible way to go. What? It's like <laughs> that just goes into the the C, the CDC actually holds a, a press conference. They go, "This is just this has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> this wasn't COVID. This wasn't the vaccine. This is just a reminder out there to hey, get some rest." <laughs> I think that it goes under death by misadventure. I think it. I think that's just a that's a that's a PSA for meditation. Hey. Breathe, breathe, everybody. Breathe. Okay. Okay. Let's get started on quantum computing. And um, per my now, I would like to ask really briefly sure. before I get started on my presentation. Yeah. Uh, you sent me a text on Monday asking uh, if I could do a presentation on quantum computing. I'm. I was wondering what made curious about it. Um. One, it's it's like conspiracies. It's it's one of like the fodder, like, and we always use it jokingly. <laughs> but like me and David O'Neill, we always talk about like, oh yeah, what if a quantum AI runs the world? It's more of a buzzword. Um, another thing is, is like I'm I'm somewhat acquainted with Moore's law, as I said to you before. A new iMac, I can do videos in four times the resolution <laughs> and process them at one fourth the speed. That that's always fascinating, right? Um, my mm-hmm. phone has twice as much memory as as my laptop you know it's that's fascinating to me um i know that there are like limitations with moore's law as you've pointed out to me before because we get to a point where you get so small and these things stop uh-huh. they don't act like like you know it doesn't act like a, a rope of atoms doesn't act like a normal rope you start to get into these quantum effects and so i tried to watch videos on this stuff before and, like, you know, at first I could kind of understand it because they're like, we have yeah. to chill it to near zero. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, cooling. And then it would go into qubits and bits. And I was like, you know what? I'm friends with Roger. Why not? <laughs> There's a lot of weeds. Okay. It's, it's the benefit of this podcast is whenever I see someone that's really smart and knows something, I'm like, I can just fucking talk to him. <laughs> like, it's so that's that's primarily right. what it is. Okay. So. Uh, before we can talk about quantum computers, we have to talk about quantum mechanics because the phrase quantum mechanics is itself a bit deceiving and doesn't really represent what it says. Uh, what quantum theory says is that the universe is really fucking weird. So before we talk about computers of any sort, I want to talk about three demonstrations of quantum phenomena. 
which are useful in some ways and demonstrative in others that show what the universe is like at the quantum level. Okay. So the first is tunnel diodes. And you may remember that tunnel diodes make an appearance in Mopey. They freaked me out enough when I was young that I actually made them a starring partner in the lead up to prime intellect taking over the universe. Now, as far as we know, tunnel diodes don't actually let you take over the universe, but they are still really weird. So what a tunnel diode is, is a conducting path that has a really thin insulator, really, really, really thin, like subatomically thin. And that's the way tunnel diodes are used. They are reverse biased. So they're supposed to stop the flow of current. And what happens, of course, is at low voltages, the electrons don't get anywhere near the barrier and they don't cross it. And at higher voltages, they're squished up against the barrier hard. So they're, you know, placement is, is, is hard. They, and, and they, st- they don't get through the barrier, but at somewhat lower voltages. It turns out that electrons aren't bowling balls. They're not like physical points of, of matter. There are probability fields. Mm-hmm. And, when the electron isn't squished up so hard against this thin insulating barrier, its probability field expands. And it turns out then that there is a non-trivial chance by probability that the electron is on the other side of the insulator. And every once in a while, it turns out that the electron goes, oh, I'm on the other side of the insulator. I can carry current. Wee! And current flows. And this is the mechanism by which current flows in what is called the negative resistance domain of a tunnel diode. Now, the thing about tunnel diodes is that the electron doesn't like cross the insulator. It's like at one moment in time it exists on the wrong side of the insulator and it's blocked and then because it has a probability of being on the other side of the insulator sometimes it finds that it is oh and it can go on its merry way and carry current this is the theory behind the fucking things this is okay now No one, you know, when when they they say the the electron, how does the electron get from one side of the thing to the other? It tunnels. What the fuck does that mean? It ceases to exist on this side and starts to exist on that side in literally zero time. And we're talking about in a realm where we can measure the time it takes light to cross that barrier and Compared to that, the time it takes for the tunneling thing to happen is zero. It's, Ooh, it's so not it, so it's so it's a faster phenomena than 
than the light? It, 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 it is actually a thing that is not supposed to happen at all. Isn't it the, like the fastest or the shortest thing? Isn't it like the speed of light traversing a, a plank a plank length? And that's plank time. The fastest possible thing going across the smallest possible thing? Isn't that uh-huh. the smallest unit of time? So it's happening like... Or is it no it, time it, at all? Is it simultaneity? It's instantly. Okay. Okay. Now, none of this makes a lick of sense. No, if fuck it. If you are thinking about it classically. But this is not only a thing that happens. It's a thing that happens reliably enough that they make practical devices out of it. In the 1980s, tunnel diodes were your preferred device for generating low uh, uh, power microwave radiation because that negative resistance in the tunnel diode could switch much faster than the transistors that we were making back then. Now, the transistors have caught up, and so they don't use tunnel diodes like that anymore. But at the time, this was like if you were pulled over by a cop with a radar gun, it probably had a tunnel diode in it making the radar beam. Now, and the thing is, 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 is that, uh, yeah, it, it's like, how does the electron get from one end to the other? Now, there are there are science fiction stories, including some that I have written, because I've read some of them to you, that basically assume spaceships could do this by doing what the tunnel diode electrons do, except over a slightly larger distance. Because, that, frankly, for an electron that distance might as well be from here to Alpha Centauri. It makes just as much sense. Okay. And an electron is a physical thing that has mass. It's it's not like it's a, a photon or something that's just an energy packet. It's a physical fucking piece of matter, and it teleports. So, in yeah, s- yeah, photon, no matter, no, not a neutrino. It's... <laughs> it, and, it, and it stops existing here, where it's blocked by the insulator, and it starts existing here, where it's not blocked by the insulator, just because there is a probabilistic chance that it might be there anyway. And one day it figures out, it wakes up and goes, "Oh, I'm over here." It's kind of like it's kind of like in a video game, like <laughs> like clipping. When you like, yes. If you like, if like in Grand Theft Auto, you can do director mode, which basically mm-hmm. is like God mode. You can turn off the cops. You can spawn anything. Anywhere. Turn off clipping. Yes, well, I would. Well, no, no. What you, what you do is is you. It's so like what you can do is you can just select a vehicle, and so instead of like let's say I'm in a car and I want to get into a bus, you can just you're in a car, and once you're in the vehicle, you can just change vehicles. So one thing you can do is you can be in a motorcycle, you can go park between two buildings, and then change to a a fighter jet. And it's right there, and it's right there until you press anything on the controller, and then it like it just like throw you like a mile that way, and it's like or you'll be like inside the building or you'll be under the the terrain. It kind of that's the only way I can kind of relate to it in my own mind. Yeah, well, they are, yeah, and of course the early video games like uh, Doom and Wolfenstein had uh, a mode called clipping off, which basically let you walk through walls. Okay. So uh, so that is tunnel diodes, and those creeped me out before I even learned about any of the rest of this shit. So let us go to Weirdness 2, 
the double slit experiment. So in the 19th century, it was posited for very good reasons that light is a wave, an electromagnetic wave. And one of the demonstrations of this is if you aim a beam of light at a narrow aperture, a slit, when it emerges, you don't get a shadow of the slit like this. You get a wave front because the wave comes out of the slit and spreads like the waves would from, you know, if, if you, you imagine doing this in a swimming pool, all right, with water waves. So the waves hit the slit doing this, but on the other side, they spread out. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. Now, this is well established. Now, if you use coherent light, which is, means it's all the same frequency, all the same wavelength, and you have two slits that are maybe a few hundred wavelengths of the light apart. When you hit it, them with it, then you get an interference pattern because you've got two wave fronts. And in some places, they support one another, double the intensity, and then in other places, they cancel each other out. So you get bars of dark and light an interference pattern. That's wave behavior. Light is a wave. This was established in the 19th century. Along comes this guy named Einstein. And he explains a different phenomenon that occurs in photoelectric detectors by saying that light is particles that have packets each of which conveys a certain amount of energy. And if your detector isn't sensitive to the amount of energy in one of those packets, it doesn't matter how many of those packets hit it. It's not going to detect them. So this explained what was at the time considered a very weird and unexplainable behavior of photoelectric devices, which at the time were all vacuum tubes. We talked about those some. Um, Now, this started a shit show. So Einstein got the Nobel Prize for the photoelectric effect. People don't realize it. Einstein did, he didn't get the Nobel Prize for relativity. He got it for the photoelectric effect, which was actually foundation of quantum mechanics. It was the thing that started the whole ball rolling. After that paper was published, people started to ask themselves, well, if light is acting like a wave, but it's really made of particles, what happens if you throw one particle at a time at this double slit thing? Because... Obviously, a particle can only go through one of the two slits. (coughs) So they did this. They basically dialed the brightness of the light down to the point where they were throwing one photon at a time 
toward the double slit. And you have to obviously do this for a while to get enough photons hitting the collector to demonstrate the pattern that emerges. And what they found was when you do that, you get the interference pattern. But if you do anything to try and nail down which of the two slits the photon went through, and many variants of this have been done, you don't get the interference pattern. So if you think about it, say you throw the photons at the double slit apparatus. Now, obviously, most of them just hit the barrier and don't go through at all. They don't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply a slit but you get a photon that actually goes through one of the two slits and when it comes out it has to steer itself appropriately according to everything right you know in order for the thousands of these photons that you do the same thing with to add up to an interference pattern that shows okay this is this is a wave-like behavior. But if you, like, alternately block the two slits, so, so the photon has to go through one or the other, but can't go through, you know, you, you so you know which one it went through if it went through either of them. No interference pattern. If you install a detector, there, there are several versions of this that can detect which slit the photon went through. You don't get the interference pattern. It's uh, the photon knows, it knows the whether universe. the whether the other slit 300 wavelengths away is open or not. And it picks its directional vector in order to contribute to the appropriate interference pattern accordingly. So this is just, this is just like poor writing about the universe. This, this is a plot hole. How does it know it? It quantum mechanics, because normally, because normally it doesn't affect the big. Sorry, the big plot, right? It's just like a peripheral. It's like your writing. You tuck in the sheets. This is you're not supposed to go fuck with the side of the sheets. They're just assuming you're going to be watching the main movie, and then you find like a continuity error in a clip of a Marvel movie. You're not supposed yes. to find the continuity error. Exactly. And okay. this has been this has been known for close to a hundred years to be a problem. Uh and uh Okay, so that's not the worst of it. Our third example of quantum weirdness is called entanglement. So there are a number of nuclear processes and reactions that can create a pair of particles. 
that are constrained because say you are in a particle accelerator hitting a target with a beam and every once in a while you create a pair of electrons they whip out opposite vectors and because of the laws of conservation they have to have opposite spin so because because that's a conservation law it's a very fundamental thing in classical physics and spin in atomic terms is not quite the thing as this it's it, it's mathematically related but it's one of these things particles do just okay so you create a pair of electrons one goes this way one goes that way conservation laws say they have to have opposite spin but most of the particles in the universe do not actually have a definite state okay spin is a thing that is either clockwise or anti-clockwise there's no in between unless you're a subatomic particle and if you're a subatomic particle then you can have a state that is called superposition. You can have a combination of states. You can you can have a state that is maybe 30% clockwise and 70% anti-clockwise. Uh, actually, uh, it, it turns out that for particles that have a binary possible state like that, they're superposed state, they're, they're what they call coherent state, is actually a point on the surface of a sphere where logic one clockwise is at one pole, logic zero anti-clockwise is at the other pole, but their true state, their coherent state can be anywhere on the surface of a sphere, not a volume. It's the sphere has a constant radius, so it's not like it can be a sphere here or out there. No, it's, it's, it's somewhere on the surface of this sphere between north and south poles logic zero logic one and that determines if you measure the state of the atom or whatever it is it can be an act it can be an atomic nucleus it can be an electron there are many physical systems that all follow the same math uh when you measure it, it will collapse. You will always get zero or one. You will always get clockwise or anti-clockwise. You will not get a point on a sphere. But if you do it many, many, many times, you'll find the probability works out based on where the original point on the sphere probably was, which you can actually uh, control by the way you create the particle pair. So in the early days of quantum mechanics, they tried this experiment where they induced the production of electron pairs. And there's another detector that can tell you whether the electron is a state of coherence or not. It doesn't tell you the state actual state it tells you whether it is in a state of superposition or whether it's definite and so they can it can tell that this electron has not decided yet whether it's logic one or logic zero it hasn't decided yet 
a foot away from the place where it was created. But then you put a different detector two feet away, which measures the state of the electron. And when you measure it, when you observe it, it only returns a zero or a one. They say uh, the, the technical term for this is the state vector, that arrow that points to some point on that sphere collapses. It's either pointing up or down. It's not pointing in any other direction because you looked at it. Now, the funny thing about this is that's bad enough. It's like, all right. Uh, but you measure this the spin of this electron. It's Buddy, which is now four feet away, which is like here to Alpha Centauri as far as an electron yeah. is concerned, yeah. always collapses in the other direction. It has to preserve spin, you know, the conservation of spin. It's a physical law. And one of the, you know, it's like, but how does it know? How because does it we know, yeah. Because we know that the first one collapses at random. This has been tested many, many, many times. In many, everything you can think of to fake out this experiment has been done because it's been being done for 80 years. And yeah, the electron doesn't know which state it's going to go to until you point the camera at it and it goes, oh shit, I'm naked. I've, got to pick a state and then you got to cover your dick or your ass you can't yes. cover both and then it's buddy way over there at alpha centauri knows okay when i collapse i gotta go the other way mm-hmm. now no less a personage than albert einstein called this spooky action at, at, at a, a distance. distance okay all right i've heard that before <laughs> that is what that refers to and it is that some kind of superluminal communication must be necessary in order for these mechanisms to do what they do. Now, the funny thing is that that superluminal communication isn't actually available to us to use as a modality. Because all we know, when we collapse the state vector of the first electron, is we can say, okay, it went zero or one. If it went zero, we know the other one will go to one. If it went to one, we know the other one will go to zero. But we can't control it. We can't use it to send a message. So, so, and, and there are many people, including me, who have written stories assuming that eventually this could be exploited to produce faster-than-light communication. But actually... At the current state of our knowledge, that's not possible. This is just a thing the universe has for its own purposes, but it doesn't make it available to us for ours. But it's back back end communication. It gets to it gets to prioritize its stuff. Yes. So, all right. So though there there are three examples of how the universe is batshit insane. It doesn't work 
in a way that any rational, you know, it's like if you're, you're trying to figure out what the next level down is, nothing makes any fucking sense. Yeah. So this brings us to what is called, how do you make sense of this? The Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics, which was formulated by Heisenberg and Bohr, Niels Bohr, over the 1940s and early 50s. And it, the Copenhagen interpretation itself consists of about a dozen statements, which individually are not that important because no one agrees on all of them. Even people who claim to subscribe to the Copenhagen interpretation will say, well, this one is not really convincing or I don't like that. Okay. And then, of course, you got to remember that there is a non-trivial subset of physicists who simply don't like the Copenhagen interpretation at all. The best lay explanation for people like us that I've ever seen of the Copenhagen interpretation says this. Quantum mechanics is like a car. We've been driving this car. At the time the article I'm taking this for was written, it was 40 years. Today, it would be more like 80 years. We've been driving this car. We know what hits. What happens when you press this button? It goes forward. We know what happens when you press this one. It stops. We know what this transmission thing does. We know what... The controls do. We know what happens if you drive it off the edge of the road. We know what happens if you gun it and take a ramp and get air. We know all these things. Every time we think of something crazier to do with this car, the car does exactly what the owner's manual says it it will. And in the case of quantum mechanics, the owner's manual is the math that describes quantum behavior. And the Copenhagen interpretation says, basically, this is how the universe works. Get over it. Needless to say, there are people who don't find that satisfying. Okay. That, you know, the, the whole one side of the insulator to the other and the buddy particles talking faster than light so it just still bothers them. Uh, so the thing is what makes quantum mechanics do what it does is superposition. The fact that a particle that is supposed to have one of two states actually can have some weird combination of those two states until it's forced to resolve things. That's called superposition. And the universe loves quantum superposition. It would probably be fair to say nearly every subatomic particle in the universe is in a superposed state just because why not? It's the universe. It likes to do things this way. It's why when you create a pair of electrons by a random nuclear reaction they're supposed to have opposite spin but neither of them knows what that spin is until you call and it's like until you call their bluff and make them show their cards and it's like oh you're clockwise 
oh, now I know what your buddy is over here. Because he's on the other side of the universe by now. They've demonstrated that phenomenon of the of quantum entanglement over thousands of miles. <laughs> Sending particles down fiber optic cables. So when you hear the term qubit for the quantum bit in a quantum mechanical computer, that basically represents a particle like that electron that can have one of two states, except that it actually has a superposed state that is a point on that imaginary sphere. And that, and that sphere doesn't exist in normal space, by the way, around the particle. That sphere exists in what's called Hilbert space. It's a mathematical, theoretical space representing uh, possible states of the atom. And the, the universe apparently loves these things so much because it probably saves it work. Uh, it turns out it was first proposed in the 1990s and it was demonstrated in the early 20 teens that you can build a system of entangled particles that are in a state of superposition that will give you the answer to a mathematical problem when the state vector collapses. Because the universe has to do that to maintain various conservation laws and so forth. Um, now, we've already mentioned how weird quantum mechanics is. This is like, this is like the ultimate Copenhagen interpretation going with it. It's like, we've been driving this car for 40 years. We know what it will do. Let's go on a road trip. So that's what quantum computing is, or that's what the Copenhagen. No, that's what quantum computing, quantum okay. computing, okay. computing it's taking the Copenhagen interpretation and saying, we know what the math says. The math has always been right. And if we manipulate one of these things perfectly enough, Within that model, we can create a system where in order to give us the correct result at the end, it has to do a bunch of the math for us. Okay. All right. So again, it's, it's the poor writing, right? It's the, it's so. it's the magic eight ball that you rub and it just knows the answer and it's like well what who's yeah. figuring out the answer doesn't matter fuck off <laughs> yeah seriously it's uh it's like one of the things you know uh, <laughs> a quantum a quantum <laughs> computer is not like uh, a digital computer in the way it's like we all have our, an image in our heads of what a computer does because like we're looking at one right now right okay that's not what a, a quantum computer would be like uh if if you could build one that worked a quantum computer would be more like an analog computer back in the days before digital computers were possible so you would have amplifiers and you would have feedback elements and you would have different 
things and you would program it by plugging banana jacks in to connect mm-hmm. different things up in different ways in order to arrange this amplifier system to express the equation you're trying to solve. And then you would manipulate dials to set your inputs and you would read your output from a meter. Okay. They don't do decision-making. They don't do iterative stuff. They, they don't run a program. You're not going to run doom on a computer like this, but they're very useful. All of the gunnery tables, that were used by all mm-hmm. of the ships and artillery people in World War II were generated by analog computers mm-hmm. in the world in the, in the years before World War II, and they 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 set these things up. They're big, they're elaborate. They all use vacuum tubes. Remember those, because in those days the magic thing was amplification, which made all of this possible. And they they set it up and with their inputs and outputs and recorded the results. And they published it all in a book. It's uh, and they gave that to the captain of the ship. To interrupt, uh, yeah, Annie Jacobson talks about that in her book, uh, "The Pentagon's Brain: A History of DARPA." Yeah, the early computers were actual; they were people, and they were called computers because they computed yeah. gunnery tables. And if, as always, the military gets the leading one because it's like we got to know how these things fire. And it got to a point where they were like they were employing so many uh, computers, f- human computers. That I think it was right, John von Neumann. He's the one that was finally beat by a computer one day, and he was like, "Well, we'll use this or something along that lines." I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm butchering yeah. it, but it's something I, along those lines. Actually, analog computers were even before that. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh, because you're talking <laughs> about digital computers and and digital processing, but uh, there are circuits that can call that can take two input voltages and add them or multiply them, or divide one into the other. And that output can be put on an analog meter. So so you can read it. So, That's an analog computer. So this is kind of, this is kind of like the original, so this is what you, it's more, yeah, you're right. It's those early computers weren't running Pong. They were for yeah, gunnery tables. It's kind of yeah. Like... They they were they were solving equations. They they were basically magically producing the the solution to an equation by running voltages through a cascade of amplifiers and feedback loops uh, to put the result on an analog meter that you could read. Okay. So a quantum computer is very similar to that in that it's going to take inputs that you supply by the way that you set up this cascade of quantum qubit particles that you want to be in a state of coherence so that they're being all quantum and shit. But you're setting them up so that when the state vector collapses, it will collapse into the answer to the problem you want them to solve. And then you'll read that. Okay. In, in a weird way, in a weird way, it's almost, I mean, and this is a big leap, but it's almost like, like rivers running textile mills. It's just this, like, maybe we don't understand, you know, all the 
all the fucking plate tectonics and where this water is <laughs> coming from and the recycling and the and the carbon cycle. But we know that there's mass moving and we can turn this fucking wheel and now we can make more sweaters. We don't understand it yeah. all, but it's like here's this quantum river. It's just dip your fingers in and get some magic and here's that's clothes. that's pretty much it actually. And and it's the uh, and it and and the idea that quantum computing can work comes back to the Copenhagen interpretation, which is that every time we ask the car to do something crazier, the thing we expect to happen, because the math told it, told us it would happen, happens. This is the way it's been going for a century. So why not go big and ask it to do something really crazy? It's, it's this podcast. I ask a friend to do it, and they do it. And one day I find Roger, the author of my favorite book, and he does it. And then finally I get a little cocky, and I go, fuck it. Let's get a guy that walked on the moon. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> I don't understand it, but it works. Actually, getting 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 Charlie Duke on your web, on, on, on your channel, was a completely normal thing compared to anything that happens in quantum yeah. mechanics and it's also not perfect it, because it, it, it actually 99 percent <laughs> of the time is it doesn't work i get a hard no but hold on roger yeah. i turned the i turned the air conditioning down way too low because i was nauseous earlier because because it doesn't matter i gotta go turn it back up <laughs> roger <laughs> i need you to monologue uh okay <laughs> well yeah so we're doing uh the blank space in the middle of the podcast here uh and I'm looking at my notes and going, well, what makes the state vector collapse? I think Tommy's coming back. Maybe. So there are different ways of doing this quantum shit. There are different particles and different characteristics or properties of the particles that you can manipulate, whether it's electrons or atomic nuclei. It might be their spin or their nuclear magnetic resonance or, in some cases, their position with respect to an insulating barrier. So it's... Uh, but the key is that mathematically they all end up pretty much being the same it's just some are easier to implement and more reliable than others so sorry so all right so that's okay so, so it's we don't understand necessarily how it works but we just know that we just know that the inputs oh. do work i press this button and it starts recording i press this button and it opens a new uh Internet Explorer or fucking Safari. Yes. Or whatever. Okay. So and, and, we assume, and we assume that you, if you press the one that starts the Doom game, that you'll be playing Doom. That's just so it. The, okay. This works, that works, this works. So now let's go bigger. Okay. So that brings us to if you could build one of these machines, what would you do with it? Because you can't play Doom on a quantum computer. Why would you build one? There is one reason to build a quantum computer. One, exactly one reason. And that is to break cryptography. Okay. okay. Because 
All modern security schemes are based on the factors of stupidly large numbers. And factoring a stupidly large number takes a stupidly long time, which is what makes cryptographic communications secure. So if you could factor a thousand digit number in a fraction of a second instead of years, which is what it actually takes on a digital computer, then you could trivially break almost every code that is used by anybody for any purpose. For a really fun little movie experience, there is a movie that was made in 1992 called Sneakers, starring Robert Redford. Doesn't even mention the word quantum, because there the MacGuffin was just a mathematician who figured it out, right? Okay, so the mathematician built a little black box that could factor numbers, and it turns out to be the MacGuffin that breaks all of the cryptography that anyone anywhere uses for anything. Now, this would pretty much destroy our civilization um, at this point. It, it, it would cause, it would force a mate at the very least a major refactoring. And if you're not the person who has this power and this power suddenly exists and someone else has it, then you're fucked. So this is why so much money and hype is being poured into quantum computing. That is the killer. It is not even the killer app. It's the only app. It's the only reason anyone is interested in quantum computing. Because the math says that if you can make this shit work, then you can break all of the crypto algorithms that are being used by anybody trivially. Sorry. Will this, is this, I don't know if you're going to get to this. Will it enable new encryption, like quantum encryption? That it does. Just raises there. There are theories that are on the vanguard that say, well, if it does work, then it also enables new forms of encryption that will be quantum based. But there will be a window during which nothing is safe, while everything gets refactored. And that window will probably be a decade or so. There, to interrupt again, in the same book by Annie Jacobson, she talks about the window where we were the only ones with the nuke. And Mm -hmm. they said there was this, and there was actual, I didn't know this, there was actual public debate about us preemptively wiping out all of our enemies before they could throw them back 200 years so they couldn't get anywhere, and we would just be this nuclear god that every 50 or 100 years we would just nuke the rest of the world. And that was what the debate was because... And then the debate was what you're saying. Well, eventually someone else is going to get the nuke, but there was a window where we had it, and it's if you want to fuck the world, you can. And we did. Mm-hmm. You're saying that could happen or will happen. Yes. Yes. That's This is the digital version of that. Okay. I'll stop um, interrupting. Sorry. Uh, oh, no. That's, uh, no, that was, that was a very good observation. And the, uh, the thing is that the uh, – 
the the nuke thing there were people who are very serious about saying we need to take out the soviets while we have the opportunity and everyone was shocked when the soviets got their own atomic bombs they they couldn't believe it happened and they were even more shocked after we got the hydrogen bomb and then it was only a couple of years after that that the soviets also got it and you know, it's because, well, once you've demonstrated that a thing is possible, it becomes a lot more worthwhile to pour every motive force you have into doing it. Shout out full drive. Yeah. So the thing about quantum computers, this is the killer app, is breaking cryptography. If you can build a machine that can factor stupidly large numbers a thousand times faster than digital computers can, then you can break codes. You can break your way into any financial system. You can read the secret messages your enemies are sending to one another. You can destroy uh, things like Bitcoin. I mean, that's just out the window, okay? Uh, and even if you're not really that interested in it, if you know, you got to remember that most money decisions on the billions of dollars level in our society are made by people who don't have advanced technical knowledge. What they have is advisors. So they have this guy who doesn't know all that much about technical shit okay has got an angel on one arm saying don't worry about it this is all moonshine it won't amount to anything go and he's got a devil on the other arm going if they make this work we're fucked dick cheney okay and so it's a sensible thing for a guy like that to say well we need to pour some investment into making sure we at least have our toe in so that if this happens we won't be caught completely with our pants down and that is why there is so much hype around the whole idea of quantum computing because as we record this in 2021 no one has ever demonstrated an actual quantum computer that does anything useful uh as recently as 2014, you had one group that was crowing in great success, and I believe they were sincere, that they had managed to build a quantum system that was able to factor a three-digit number. Okay. Now, that was a triumph because they were able to build a quantum system that posed the question, asked it of the quantum system, and what they got back from the quantum system were the factors of a three-digit number. That shows the principle of the thing. Okay, so now all you've got to do is scale it up. There's a scene in Kim Stanley Robinson's novel, The Years of Rice and Salt, which uh, is about an alternate history where uh, Europe got completely wiped out by the Black Plague, and it was the Muslim and Chinese empires that went on to populate the world and uh all the recurring characters they they're 
reincarnated. So there's like 10 chapters and they're all different characters and the, the, the particular characters' names all start with the same letter. But uh, there's a chapter in which a guy who is actually going to become the Leonardo da Vinci of his age. Legit. But he needs funding. So he fakes a demonstration. We're going to turn a little lead into gold to show that it's possible. And then I just need some funding to to figure out how to scale it up. And he he's in the middle of doing this demonstration and the king has become suspicious of him and they seize the apparatus and smash it and reveal that the gold is already there in, with the lead and it's a sham thing. It's a fake. Because even though he's a legit scientist, he needed more funding. And so he was staging something to make his ruler more amenable to giving some giving him some money something he would understand because he doesn't understand what this other more important shit like you know vacuum and all this and i think when you look at the motivation of the people who are doing these experiments and demonstrations you have to seriously ask yourself whether something like that is happening because this is a serious problem. If, if quantum computing can be made to work the way that the math says it's possible, then trillions of dollars are at stake. It literally could mean difference between dying and ruling the world. So you put this in front of someone who doesn't have a big technical education and say, well, this is the downside. This is the upside. And they're going to look at it. It's like they don't even look at the upside. They're looking at the downside going, well, this is pretty fucking deep. All right, we need to put at least something into it to make sure that we don't get caught with our britches down. And I understand that. That's, that's the way the world works. But I haven't seen anything that is convincingly beyond that. One of the phrases that you will hear a lot nowadays is quantum supremacy, mm -hmm. which is demonstration that a quantum computer has done something that a digital computer can't do. And no one has convincingly demonstrated that. That's where you really are looking at, is this really a quantum computer? Or is this a digital computer pretending to be a quantum computer in order to get you to pony up some suds? Okay. Uh, I know where I stand on that. And I'm not bullish on the idea of quantum computers. The other thing you've got to ask is why does there's, there are two problems that vex the makers of quantum computers. One is the collapse of the state vector. It's, it's maintaining coherence. 
these coherent systems, you have to maintain coherence so that you can establish entanglement and set up your little billiard ball simulation before it collapses. And if it collapses too soon, you don't get what you want. You get garbage. The other is errors. You think you've set it up a particular way, but it turns out that you didn't quite get it right. And that's been a, a big problem in some of the more elaborate demonstrations that have been done. So now a lot of what's going on in quantum computing involves things like error correction and dupl duplication uh, to uh, eliminate that problem. So when you read about uh, 50 qubit systems, which is huge, but then it turns out that's five duplications of a 10 qubit system because there are so many errors and you, 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 you want to make sure that you get the same result more than once uh, so that you know that it's the right result and that you had everything correct. Now, in my mind, there's another thing. You've probably heard the phrase simulation hypothesis, which is the idea that we are already living in a computer simulation. And quantum mechanics gives us two reasons why otherwise sane people think this is a reasonable thing to worry about. The first is the quantum weirdness. The electron seems to know what's going on with its buddy half a light year away. The photon that seems to know whether that other slit that it isn't going through is open or not. Okay. The electron that just suddenly ceases to exist on this side of the insulator and starts to exist on the other. All of these things become trivial if the universe is a computer, because yeah, all of those doesn't matter. All of those things amount to changing a number in a register somewhere. It's, yeah, it's one, yeah, one example I always bring up, it'd be like, it doesn't matter in the same way. It wouldn't matter if you had a dream or you were a famous AI researcher and you passed the Turing or you cracked the Turing test. It wouldn't matter if it was in your dream. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it's right. It doesn't matter. I did it, but it, it wasn't real. Right. Mm -hmm. So the other thing in quantum mechanics is what's called aliasing. If you, are playing a video game and you are living in this video game universe as it were and you look too closely at anything you start to see the pixels mm -hmm. you start to see that motion isn't smooth and continuous it's jumpy it's... you start to see the ways in which the simulated universe doesn't act the way the pretend universe is supposed to because you've gone to the limits of what the simulation is capable of. And to a lot of people, quantum mechanics looks like the aliasing of classical mechanics if you've gone too close <laughs> yeah. to the limits of the machine. Yeah. Because if you think about it, there's no circumstance under which an animal that doesn't that hasn't invented instruments and all would really ever yeah. notice a quantum phenomenon yeah so it's the continuity error in a blockbuster movie yeah 
You're not going to see it on the first time through, on the first night at the cinema, at the red carpet, with the excitement of, is Thanos going to win? Right? You don't, you don't see the, you're right? You don't see the, the change in the socks on someone. So that's, th- those, those are the things that make otherwise serious people say, we have to seriously consider that the universe might actually be a computer simulation of itself of what we think the universe is. And that has all kinds of other implications because one, if, if you adopt that idea, if you say, okay, well, this is the explanation. This is why quantum effects exist. This is why. Uh, then there are a number of subtler implications to that, one of which is there could be an off switch. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. To get really grim about it. Well, I mean, and and if it's not, it's death. So it's uh, for me, that's not as much as. But sorry, go on, go on. It also implies that all of the laws of physics might have exceptions. Just, so, you know, physics is grounded in the idea that the universe is consistent, that it always does the same thing. If you set things up a particular way and set the thing in motion, it will always do the same thing. But as we know, in a computer, that's not necessarily true. There can be exceptions. There can be conditions. There can be all kinds of other things. And we talked about some of this in in the episode we talked about woo, Mm -hmm. because that would be one of the possible things where the universe is having exceptions to what are supposed to be the physical laws where things are existing that aren't supposed to be there and doing things they're not supposed to do. And we have a lot of circumstantial evidence for things like this. So some of that ties in. I mean, it's like I find myself drifting toward that space quite a bit simply because you've got the quantum shit and the woo shit actually converging on this possibility that we are characters in a video game. It's 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 Deus ex machina, right? Quantum is mm-hmm. quantum is to the to the left and the right and behind the school stage to where someone off stage can go, you know, they can go remake a prop and put it back out on the stage. And it's like, it doesn't need a, within the stage we're watching, it doesn't matter where it came from. It just, oh, here's a new paper mache palm tree or whatever the prop is. Yeah. And it's just, that. there's the woo. The woo is, you don't need to understand what the the video, the, the tech guys are. Yeah. So that's the thing. And, and that leads me to my last point, which is what makes the state vector collapse? Heisenberg said it's observation. Niels Bohr said that's pretty fucking vague. What does that mean? And no one has a coherent answer for that. Although we know that literally observation makes the state vector collapse. If we point an instrument at something and look at it, or if we record it and then look at it later, whatever, the universe knows, oh shit, my pants are down. I got to pull them up and pick a one or a zero. 
What makes that happen? Uh, no one has a coherent answer for that. Uh, my contribution to that is that it is the information processing cost to the big computer because maintaining coherence is normally uh, a pro uh, normally saves processing time because you don't have to maintain a memory of the state of all of these quintillions of atoms and particles and shit. But every once in a while, it bites the big computer on the ass because we come along and set up a situation where it gets fucked and we're and so obviously if if a photon from you know this reflected off of an experiment hits our eye then we are a chaos machine the universe can't keep up with all of the possible cascades of all of the possible ramifications of every possible state that that atom might have had so it just says fuck it i gotta pick one is that what mass extinctions are is it the computer defragging the machine uh it's it's a possibility that's that i would consider that uh a definite possibility uh, but this is the thing about quantum computing though what makes quantum computing look like it will work is the Copenhagen interpretation. And we've been driving this car for 80 years and we know what happens when we do it there. And what we're going to do now is strap a fucking rocket engine on it. And the math says we know exactly what this car can do. But the universe might be like, you got to be fucking kidding me. The universe you gotta do this. Yeah. This is not going to go. We're, we're not doing this. It's Make-A-Wish Foundation. You yeah. ask for a turtle, the next kid has to meet Michael Jordan, and the next kid's like, I want Santa to be 10 miles tall. And it's like, oh, well, hold on. Yeah, we got a problem here. Okay. So asking the universe to do this much math for you may be the thing that breaks the, the whole paradigm. It, it, that may be... That may be the thing that constitutes an observation. It causes too much computer processing to be necessary to maintain coherence, which is necessary to maintain the problem that you are asking it to solve. So there may be an absolute limit to the amount of math that the universe is willing to do for you. Now that still that that absolute limit might turn out to be very large and it might still turn out to be very useful but I'm suspicious because we've had the phrase quantum supremacy floating around now for a couple of years and we've had a couple of major players including Google claim yeah quantum supremacy but no one has claimed it convincingly and when you're claiming, okay, we did this 1.2 times faster than the computer could. It's the fake. Really? It's the fake yeah. golden ticket in Willy Wonka. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this and going, you know, the, the value, the temptation 
of what this would be worth is so great that the temptation to fake it could be so powerful that even the most honest people could be corrupted by it. It could also be a form of defense. I mean, imagine if the Soviets didn't actually detonate their first A-bomb in 49. How we figured out they detonated it, we didn't see the flash. What happened is there was a sniffer plane off the coast of Alaska Mm -hmm. that smelled the radioactive cloud. If you're, and our people didn't even believe them. Exactly. So if the Soviet <laughs> Union's going, hey, the U.S. is debating just wiping us off the map, I mean, would it not be in your interest to find the exact radioactive byproducts or metabolites and spray them into the atmosphere? Yeah. So this is this is all uh, a thing. I mean, to me, at this at the current state of where everything is. It looks deeply suspicious to me that this is a thing that may not actually be possible. The universe may not permit it, but people are powerfully motivated to convince other people who have money that it might be possible so they can get more money to do research, to keep in the, to stay in the game. And the people supplying the money, that's not actually a lot of money to them. If you're Jeff Bezos or if you're Google, then if, you know, a few hundred million dollars is nothing. And if that keeps your toe in the pool, though, so you don't get caught by surprise when someone else does it first. And you may not be in a position to say, you know, I know enough about this to know it's all moonshine. This is bullshit. This, there's no way that this works. The universe will not do this for you. And no one's really in that position either. So where do you go? So right now, this is this is where we are. We are in this state where a lot of promises have been made. A lot of potentials have been identified, but nothing has been realized. There, there, there is a group that probably did factor a three-digit number in 2014. Now, factoring a three-digit number is something either of us could probably do with a piece of paper in a couple of minutes, so we don't need a quantum computer to do that. What we want is something that can factor a thousand-digit number, the kind of thing that is the key for a, for a cryptographic payload. And the math says the universe should be just as willing to do that as it is to factor the three-digit number. But when you start looking at, at the fine details of exactly how does the universe work, why, why does it do any of this shit at all? It, you know, one of the reasons for doing the quantum superposition thing is that in normal situations, it would reduce the load on a big computer that was simulating the universe. So why would that big computer do a lifetime's worth of calculations for you in an instant to solve a weird problem that it doesn't care about instead of just decohering your system and saying, fuck you. Would it be in the interest of someone who created a quantum computer 
to keep it very tightly wrapped so that other people never did more than put a toe in it. Well, it would, except that the horse is out of that barn. You know, everyone in the fucking world is now interested in quantum computing. It's become a hype thing. I mean, I knew this, you know, the fact that you asked me about it. Sure, yeah. Like an indication that the horse, that horse has left the barn, okay? Someone told Tommy about quantum computing. That's an yeah. indication that it is a thing now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't think anyone has achieved it, but is keeping it secret. Because I think if they had, we would know about it for other reasons very quickly. It would be so powerful, so completely devastating that uh, it's impossible for me to imagine someone having this power and not using it. Didn't in like World War Two, when we cracked the Enigma code, didn't we like not necessarily act on all the information? Like we still let Allied yes. ships be blown up because we yes. were like we were like the overall value is greater. If they think that was that. actually a decision that Winston Churchill yeah. himself made, mm -hmm. and he personally took it upon himself to make every one of one, those decisions. And uh, there was a lot of wisdom being applied there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. That gets into the dirty, you know, if you can save millions, you know, in a war where we are literally killing. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, ha you have to ask yourself who is chasing after this and what are they after? And also uh, if you get it, that doesn't mean the next guy down the line isn't going to get it either. So if you get it and you don't use it, then you lose it because it ceases to be an advantage once the other guy has it. So I tend to think, you know, there, there are some entities now I think like, okay, if the NSA got it, they would probably sit on it. Well, that's what I'm that's referring their, to. That's what, sorry, that's, that's what I was referring to, someone like yeah. that. That's that's their nature. They they yeah. they work that way. Uh, but this is being pursued by so many interests, a lot of which are commercial. Have you know that if any of them succeeded, I think we would know about it really really soon, like the next day. Yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would it? <clears throat> I'm just trying to think. What about something like um, when the F-117, the stealth fighter, right? It, it, as soon as they proved it could work, it went from classified to, to special access program. And it was just like, this is... And then when we found, I think during the Reagan administration, I think we wanted to go, we wanted to go take out Gaddafi, I think. And we were going to send the F-117. And then I think it was Casper Weinberger said... Don't send it. And we don't want to let them know we have it. When everyone was like, what do you mean? Let's go wipe out Gaddafi. And it was like, we want Gaddafi, but on the bigger chessboard, we don't want the Soviets to know we have this. So we sent normal fighters, and they were detected, and Gaddafi got away, if I'm remembering this correctly from Ben Rich's book, Skunk Works. Yeah, there, that sounds right. There, But there's a real-world example. We were like, hold on. Like, there's a much bigger opponent, and it's 
the Soviet Union, and it's better if they don't know it exists, because then they don't know how to defend it, and they won't be trying. They but you got to remember who the people are who are working on sure. quantum on, sure. on quantum computers. Most of them are commercial enterprises, and they're being funded by private interests, and those private interests have one thing in mind breaking cryptography so they can take advantage of it i can't imagine any of those actors getting the answer and then not using it immediately as hard as possible because that's what you would do Do they're not government actors the the governments yeah have a little bit of a longer term perspective but private interests very infamously don't and they they would be looking at the the short-term gain the advantage that could be placed and really if you're ellen musk say and you get quantum computing so that you can break all the codes you can be king of the world within a week after that i mean you can basically break the entire economy and hold everything hostage and say you either do what i say or we'll just let it all go to shit and most likely what happens is uh there's a short skirmish a little bit of kerfuffle and in the end you get what you want uh i i don't see it shaking out any differently that you know anyone who gets this the the reason you're looking for it you gotta remember that everyone who's looking for this is investing millions of dollars they're not doing that in the search for moonshine yeah they're doing it because first of all they know if they don't get it first and someone else does they're screwed and they know that if they do get it first, they have to use it while they have the advantage. And it's not something like a nuclear bomb where, oh shit, we've shown it's possible. Now everyone can do it because you can monitor fissile material. Yeah. There's no, there's no rare material to the, correct? Well, it's that the, Eventually, you know, once once you've shown that it's possible, then the thing is, when you destroy crypto, you've destroyed crypto. Yeah. So all of these systems come crashing to the ground. After that, being able to do it again is not of use because no one is going to use large factored numbers to try and secure shit anymore because they know better. But you're going to have a window there when everything is broken, nothing is secure, and you can walk in literally almost to any bank in the world and just walk out with whatever you want. That's what some of these actors are wanting. And they're not even talking about, you know, it's like our bank, you know, the, you know, where we have our, they're talk, we're talking about countries here. Yeah. Uh, Treasuries. Treasuries, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, the entire uh, 
stock of Bitcoin, which I think is now in the hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars, suddenly you basically have it all. And uh, is is Bitcoin okay? Tinfoil. <laughs> like the nuclear bomb window, if you had quantum computing, could you use it to crack all communications between other potential, I guess, quantum powers, like a nuclear power? Could you use it to monitor? Let's just say the NSA has it. Let's just say they got it in 2010. And you could monitor everyone and you could kind of like parallel construction when you use an illegal surveillance technique to find something that's inadmissible in court, but then you find the legal way to do it. Could you monitor all communications between other nations, like computer, like national laboratories, and then you could kind of parallel, you know, sabotage it through some other means. And then to make sure you catch everyone, would you make Bitcoin knowing that it's a honeypot? So for those that you didn't catch, they're going to try to come get it. And then when someone does get it, you squash them before anyone figures, I cracked it, I cracked it. And then, oh, no, there's a gas leak in their apartment. Like, and that's how you would that's how you would grip the world. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I just made Alex Jones proud. But like, but like, that's what it would be, right? Is the ultimate honeypot. Yeah, that's. That that is a way of approaching it, and it would actually be a very sensible way of approaching it. If you if you got it early and had a bit of wisdom about it, I'm just going by most of the people who have this kind of power nowadays haven't really shown much wisdom. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm. <laughs> it's going to be more Occam's razor, right? The the reason we don't see it is because no one has it. <sighs> Yeah, that that's that's kind of where I am. That's <laughs> yeah. just I mean, saying. I mean, July sixteenth, nineteen forty-five, is when we detonated Trinity. That evening, we were putting pieces on uh on planes to go to Tinian Island. <laughs> that that we saw it worked, and we were like, ship it up, like you know, priority mail. We're dropping this in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. And- of, yeah. And but and the thing is, the Russians had at least two spies there who knew about it. Klaus Fuchs and uh, the was it the Rosenbergs? Uh, no, they they actually had a couple of guys who were just like anonymous, like uh, well, nobody spooks, who well, were just yeah. among the observers, who were like nobodies in the team. Well, Klaus Fuchs was one of them. He was a British. Yeah, Fuchs and the Rosenbergs were among the development team. Oh, okay. But, um, oh, you're saying okay. I'm talking about people who are just like technicians. At the Trinity test? Jesus. Yes. Sneaky Soviets. Sneaky Soviets. Uh, you know, and, and which, which uh, led to what is called the understatement of the millennium in some circles, which uh, when uh, Roosevelt told Stalin, uh, we've had a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. bit of a success with a very large bomb. And Stalin says, "Oh yeah, we know about that." Yeah, he goes, "I I hope you put it to <laughs> I hope you put it to use immediately." It's like they knew. Yeah, they fucking yeah. knew. It's like you know, oh yeah, no, it's no big deal. Yeah. We we know about that. And, and it started. It really. I mean, that if if we hadn't already laid the groundwork for the Cold War, <laughs> that did more than anything. That Stalin knew about it, and then we lied to him about it, and it was like, well, yeah. I mean, 
Well, everyone knew that the Cold War was going to start after yeah, World War II. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if yeah. there had never been an atomic bomb, there was going to be a Cold War. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, in fact, if there if there had never been an atomic bomb, the Cold War might not have been quite so cold. So very true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I tend to, and when I say I tend to, I mean near a hundred percent agree with you. The reason. It's it's because it doesn't exist yet. That's why. It's the... yeah. I, I I really don't think anyone has achieved it, and I think there are strong reasons to believe the universe will not permit it. Uh, I I think that uh, you know. I understand why people who have control of a lot of money don't want to bet all in on the other side and say it's not possible, that they have to keep a toe in, as it were. But for my personal self, my money is all in. No, I don't think that the universe is going to let this happen. Uh, I think that there are reasons. You know, there, there, there are too many reasons to think that the universe has its own agenda as far as what can and can't be done uh, and this is particularly in respect to quantum phenomena. You know, quantum phenomena are batshit fucking crazy. And I can tell from your reaction when I, I opened this. I, that's why I wanted to open this with a few descriptions of simple experiments that do things that make no fucking sense. Because this is what quantum phenomena are and what a quantum computer is trying to do is to exploit these things that make no fucking sense to solve complex problems that we can't solve by other means now there is a possibility that the universe would be willing to do this shit for us but I think when you're talking about quantum supremacy and you're talking about ratios like 1.1 to 1, that's not real fucking convincing. I want to see quantum supremacy at a ratio of 1,000 to 1. I want to see the quantum computer do something that would take the best digital computer ever made 1,000 years to do and do it in a few seconds. Yeah. That will convince me. Okay, you got it. All right. That I yeah. But when you're doing things that are just barely possible with a digital computer and saying it's the quantum computer, that to me looks very suspiciously like the gold that is already there in the middle of the vessel where you're trying to demonstrate you're turning lead into gold. It was like that's. It was like the first hydrogen bomb was actually primarily just a massive fission bomb, with a little bit of uh, fusion fuel. It was boosted. Yeah, it wasn't a true and, like a Castle Bravo. The Ivy Mike was pretty much just a, just a jacked up Nagasaki. No, I uh, Ivy Mike was actually a true hydrogen bomb. We never built a boosted bomb. That was, so was uh, the Soviets. The Soviets did, and the British did, and the French did, but we went straight to the multi-stage Tellerulum design because 
Teller in particular saw that boosting was a dead end. So he, he, he saw, yeah, he, what he wanted was an unlimited uh, exponent. And that was what Ivy Mike was. It was, uh, it was designed to burn a cubic meter of tritium of, of deuterium rather. And it could have easily been scaled up. In fact, it was easily scaled up. The, the trick with the hydrogen bomb is, you know, but the, the boosted bomb uses elements within the spheres that are being compressed that fuse and provide neutrons that fission atoms that wouldn't otherwise fission and speed the process up. So instead of 10 kilotons, you can get 50 kilotons or 100 kilotons, or I think in uh, the the biggest case, they, they actually got a few hundred kilotons. Yeah. I think there was but about it's 500. Yeah, but it's still limited <clears throat> yeah. because of the geometry of everything. With the hydrogen bomb, with the with the, the Teller Ulam design, you have an atomic bomb that is the trigger and it triggers the compression process for the actual fusion bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the x-ray pressure. Yeah, the x yeah, so the uh, the radiate and in fact the 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 big trick there is that the radiation has to trigger the compression. It has to compress the secondary stage and it has to react to completion and blow up before the blast wave from the trigger blows it apart. <laughs> yeah. It's I've, I've likened that to the idea of using a stick of dynamite as the flash for a camera. Yeah. It's in, yeah. You take the picture before the, the apparatus is, yeah, it does, yeah. It does, isn't it held together for like an extra hundred millionths of a second? But that's what does it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's all these things that happen in a sequence, really stupidly fast. And uh, the Tsar Bomba that the yeah, Soviets that... built is a three-stage bomb. Mm-hmm. It used the original atomic trigger to trigger a fusion trigger, which in turn triggered. The really big bomb. It's, it's a side note. I was just feeling. I, I have. I realized when I shaved today, I just completely left this area alone. So I don't want to get close. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. There's something insane about the Cold War, where it's just like the A bomb's crazy enough, and it's like, well, what if the A bomb was a trigger <laughs> for a bigger bomb? But it's, yeah, it's. You know, there's a lot of similarities there with Truman, right? The when he met with David Lilienthal, and it was, they, you know, Enrico Fermi called the hydrogen bomb an evil thing, but Truman said, "Can the Russians do it?" And they said, "In time, yes." And he said, "We'll go ahead." Mm-hmm. And it's sort of that you can't be caught flat-footed. You gotta, yeah. you gotta be working on the quantum. And that's the and that is the logic that is driving a lot of the research into quantum computing because a a functional quantum computer that fulfills the promise that has been made basically destroys every security arrangement that exists in the digital world. And it does it overnight. It does it in a way that's undetectable. And the consequences could be devastating. Now, 
it depends on how the actor that gets this power first uses it. But if they don't use it in such a way as to pretty much take over the world, then they lose their advantage. Because once you've proven it's possible, just like with us in the atomic bomb, once you've proven it's possible, someone else will come along and do it in a few years. The secret of the atomic bomb is that it is possible to make them at all. Yeah. Once you know that, if you're a nation and you have the resources, then duplicating the atomic bomb is actually not that hard. Yeah. So yeah, we did the R and D. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we did we did well. We we took the two billion dollar leap in nineteen forty dollars across an abyss and found out that you can land on the other side. Yeah. Well, when your enemy has demonstrated the bomb, then it's not a leap. You're not wondering if it's possible. You know that it's possible. You may even have intelligence as to some of the ways that your enemy got to where they were to make it work. And even if you don't, you know that it's possible. You know that the investment will pay off if you get it right. So it's worth doing. When we embarked on the Manhattan Project, we didn't really know whether... Whether it would work or not. We spent the $2 billion on a gamble that could have come up snake eyes. It's kind of like the original, not quite, the original Operation Warp Speed. In in a way, because weren't we were going for, actually not really at all, it's a terrible analogy. Never mind, fuck that, fake news. It's, um, <laughs> it's well I know we, okay, well it kind of, there was some Warp Speed aspects in that. I think we had a couple different plants using different methods for enrichment in case one couldn't, because we didn't, weren't we, weren't we iffy by a factor of 10 in either direction at how much fissile material we needed. So it was like, we might need a gram of plutonium. We might no, need we, like, knew how, we knew how much we needed. We didn't know how much we could get from each of the processes. Okay. Okay. Well, that's what I meant then. And then it turned out that we could take the output of one process and feed it into the input of one of the others, which made that one more efficient. Oh, so, okay. I see what so, you're saying. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we had. It's just all so insane. It, 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 that we all that we did that in a few years really is insane. Uh, it's, and it's bonkers. And 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 the thing is, uh, at the time we dropped the atomic bombs, they really weren't necessary. The Japanese were already suing for peace. They knew the war was lost. But these people who had invested so much money in building these things had to show something for their effort. Got to justify it. Uh, otherwise, they were going to end up in a dock facing an inquiry after the war. So they had to show flat Japanese cities yeah. in order to say, we spent this money on something that was worthwhile. And a lot of the shit that happened after World War II in atomic energy with the peaceful atom mm-hmm. and all that was in turn 
meant to justify the enormous effort that had gone into creating all this in the first place Mm -hmm. Uh, because it was all really very dirty and very expensive and more expensive than anyone even realized because no one had even thought about what happens when one of these plants reaches the end of life and becomes obsolete and you've got to clean it up. Yeah. No one was even thinking about that in the night in, in 1950, what they were thinking about then was we just spent $2 billion uh, knocking down two cities when Curtis LeMay was doing it a lot cheaper than that before we came along with this technology. Yeah, Let's, doing it with this. We're honest. Yeah, no, oh yeah. Curtis LeMay was doing it with uh, those like petroleum based uh, incendiary bombs. Yeah. So it's like, what was this all about? And well, it's got to be the future. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the <laughs> argument that it's the argument that it was to show the Soviets. But even if the well, Soviets already knew, I guess you could maybe, I mean, just trying to play Curtis LeMay's mind. Let's say they knew the Soviets knew. Maybe you drop it to show them that you're not afraid to, you know. I'll show you. I'll pull up my shirt. Well, and that show was you. a lot of it. Yeah, I'll yeah. pull up my shirt and show you the the butt of my gun. But you really want to nut up, you know? You pull Dale and you pull it out and shoot him in the fucking face, and it's like, <laughs> you know, that was a lot of it too. Not the, de- not defending it, just just trying to yeah put my yeah. head in their head. Well, well, Lemay was a was was a fucking crank case. I mean, he yeah. he 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 was nuts. He, uh, he wanted World War Three so badly. Yeah, I, I, he he literally did. He, he, he wanted 100%. to hundred percent, no hyperbole. He, he, wanted, he wanted to ki- he he wanted to kill the country, the, the other guys before they could kill us. Yeah, and he he figured we would probably lose fifty million of our own citizens in the process, and that was an acceptable loss ratio because we would kill a hundred percent of the rest of them, and so we would win. Yeah, that was that was, that was the way he was looking at that, and that that attitude is what is portrayed really well in the movie Strange dr strange love yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's like what kennedy said you know you don't want lemay deciding whether or not you go into war you want lemay once you've decided you're going to war which yes you want to release the, you don't want the pit bull deciding whether or not it gets to come off its leash yeah. you but don't want the crowd you don't want the Kraken deciding whether to release itself. You want to but decide. But if someone does break into your house, ha- yeah. <laughs> if someone does break into your house, you want to fucking open the door with the pit bulls, right? It's yeah. yeah I mean, it's you know, it makes sense. You want a Lemay when there is a World War Two and a crazy German guy incinerating Jews, and it's you go okay. You know, you want to release the pit bull, but it's also. That's why you know. That's why Kennedy. Uh, well, he. That's why he communicated with Khrushchev in back channels, right? And probably is what saved the world, right? Mm-hmm. Lemay, like Lemay said to Kennedy in the Oval Office on recording in the Cuban Missile Crisis, is you're in quite a bad fix, Mister President. And JFK looked at him and said, "You're here with me." You know, it's <laughs> like when when Lemay used to have the when Lemay used to have the the. Was it the B forty seven or the B fifty eight, the Hustler? He would send them all scream, and we've talked about it before in this. He would send them all screaming at top speed toward the Soviet border, and then they'd all turn around. And someone was like, "You're going to cause World War 3 And I think his response was, "If we're lucky." So, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you you break gla- you you break glass for emergency Lemay, an event of Pearl Harbor, or an event of you know 
Auschwitz, you break glass and let LeMay out. And yeah, and then is that what it is? Is that maybe what, could that be going on with like a quantum computer? You may be... I think there are a lot of parallels. I mean, do you... I think, I think that's kind of where we are, is, is that it's, the difference being that it turned out the Manhattan Project worked. We don't know yet whether quantum computing works. Now, we already have a situation where cyber attacks are a serious mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. And if you think cyber attacks are a serious problem now, imagine one of our enemies getting a quantum computer that can break all of our cryptography and just walk in on all of our codes, even if we properly secured them. So that, uh, and, and what would they do? Now, the thing is, if you have that power, Shit, it doesn't make any it. sense to sit on it because, yeah. you know, it'll be like us with the atomic bomb. Two years later, your enemy will have the same power yeah. over you. So what it makes sense to do is to use it quickly and a devastating Swift, yeah. attack. Over, yeah. The fact that that hasn't happened is one of the reasons I think nobody has this. Could it? I'm just trying to think. Yeah, swiftly and devastatingly. I'm just, there's like multiple ideas floating around. Sorry. (laughs) One is like, yeah. It's actually a big concept space, ain't it? It is. Yeah. It's, there's one where it's like, you know, does this thing exist somewhere, but maybe you don't want the DOD with it. Or maybe it's a very small group of people read into it because, you know, maybe you don't want someone that, you know, everything looks like a nail to a hammer, right? Maybe you, you're holding it back for that. And then and then the argument comes up is like, does having a, a multipolar world, is it more balanced? You know, you'd say on one hand, you go, well, what are you talking about? The Soviets got the A-bomb and then we are poised for destruction forever. Okay, the inverse of that is is we were openly discussing what let's not look at it from an american standpoint let's just look at it from an objective human standpoint we were openly discussing for four years just nuclear genocide right don't look at it as us versus Uh them let's just look at it as an objective thing one group was looking at eviscerating another when the other side got it it made both sides have to look at it. And yes, we walked that razor's edge for 40 years after that. But here we are, and it didn't happen. Could you argue, or do you have to argue, that there was no such thing? We mean, obviously, you can go down the whole rabbit hole of nuclear strategy and everything. But it didn't, we, we can say for a fact, it did not happen. Is it safer that more than one person has it and thus... I mean, I don't know. At that level, do you do you leak? Do you leak the quantum plans to to China and Russia, knowing that let's leak it and then we have it and they have it, and do we turn into this super again another Cold War where everyone's you know like that on each other? I don't know. Well, the thing is with with cryptography, the threat is a little different because. Once you know that it's been broken, there are things you can do. You can go to things like one-time pads. I mean, there there are other technologies that still are secure if your enemy can factor large numbers. Or just a pen pen and paper. I mean, they're less convenient, but 
there are still things that can be done if you need what to. Is, what is a one-time if, pad? If you, if you know a one-time pad, uh, you have a bunch of ladies sitting in their room throwing dice and writing the numbers down on two pieces of paper. They're completely random. Then you send one of these to the guy who needs to receive your encrypted transmission and you keep the other and you use those random numbers as your encryption basis. It's completely unbreakable because the numbers are truly random. They're not based on an algorithm, but it does create inconveniences because you've got to create the pads. You've got to disseminate them. Okay. Uh, and if, if you get out of synchronization, it's then fucked. you're fucked. So, uh, but it is an absolutely unbreakable code, and that's the thing that's been known for 150 years or more. Um, so it's not like it would be the end of the world, but it would mean everything would have to change rather quickly in ways that would make things much less convenient. And a lot of people would get hit hard in the short term by their codes being broken and usurped. So people would have their retirement stolen, their savings, all that. Uh, banks would fail. All kinds of, of things like that. Uh, the economy would almost certainly crash in the wake of so many things like that. But it wouldn't be the end of the world any more than the Great Depression was. You know, it would be possible to pick up and say, well, we're not going to do business in this way anymore. We're going to use different codes that don't depend on factored numbers being difficult to factor. There are other ways of doing that. They're just not as convenient. They're messier. They take more computation. They, they take more communication bandwidth. But it's possible, and uh, you know, I would say, if someone got the technology and used it to launch a full-on attack on our society, then probably within five years we would recover to a substantial fraction of what existed before. There would probably be a lot of dead people. There would probably be a lot of people who lost everything they owned. It would be one of those things that would be remembered for a hundred years as a terrible tragedy, but it wouldn't be the end of the human race or anything like that. It's just something that whoever got it first would be patting themselves on the back and, you know, having the superior position for a while. Uh, Is Cue the Chinese. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's the fear, right? I mean, what if you know? What if we make it and go? We won't use this. We'll we'll tuck it away in NORAD. Would Beijing be so kind? No. Yeah, and it's that's the Beijing. Beijing would just fucking use it to maximum devastating impact. We might actually be a little more circumspect, but I'm not even sure that much because uh, of the calculus that if you have it now and you don't use it 
And we already have the experience of having been in that catbird mm -hmm. seat because of the atomic bomb. So yeah. do we want to repeat that experience of being the innovator who created the amazing thing that should have given us total global domination Forever. and then three years? And then three or four years later, our bitterest enemy has it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's crazy because like we could have absolutely steamrolled the Soviets and there would be, I mean, there would be America and then there'd be the rest of the country would be a third world and we, you could keep that going uh -huh. forever. But what's crazy is, is like, we did get through the Cold War without it going hot, and thus it was benefit. But was that itself a crazy chance? Do you do you put yourself in that simulation again, and maybe you yeah, don't roll? Maybe you was, don't roll double that was, sixes. That was that was that was nuts too. Yeah, like it was, uh, we got we got really fucking lucky. It's like me and Roger. I lived, I lived through some of those years, and it was like, I mean. Now, my wife, who is six years older than me, actually is old enough to remember doing duck, duck and, and cover, duck and cover things in Earth school. The turtle, yeah, yeah. Duck and, uh, and cover. By the time I came along, they had pretty much given up on that because it was pretty much understood that if you lived in a major city, you were going to be vaporized. Um, but even that, knowing that, you know, it's like growing up with that as a you know, possibility. It's hard. It's hard to say. How does that compare with, like, the risk of polio that had been wiped out? So it's like I didn't have a risk of being yeah. paralyzed by polio, but I did have a risk of being vaporized by an atomic weapon. Yeah. Is yeah. that? How do, how does how do those balances pan out yeah. in the yeah it's, uh, it might not be the best example of well hey look the Soviets got it and then we didn't we didn't genocide them but then we also didn't genocide each other so it actually turned out great like that might not happen like that's you and I playing Russian roulette and we both survive and we both won a million dollars <laughs> it's like hey that's great and it's you know. It's like I had to shoot and kill Roger or Roger had to shoot and kill me. Or we could play Russian roulette and we both walked away and went, oh, wow. And we both won a million dollars. That's great. That's rosy. That's cheery. That's not something to go back to when you find yourself in need of a paycheck. And it's like, no. hey, that worked one time. That was great. Fantastic. You don't do it again. That's it's, like that's, It's not going to happen again. It's, yeah. yeah it's, that, that's like the Tournament of Champions and the uh, – Oh, uh, Hunger Games, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, seen, we weren't supposed to have to do this shit again. <laughs> I've never seen Hunger Games, I'm sorry. It's uh, Okay, The uh, well, the premise is that all of the provinces, after the dystopic disintegration of the United States uh, and a failed rebellion, the provinces that were the failed rebellion have to send representatives to the Hunger Games, and... One winner leaves the Hunger Games, and they are, like, treated like royalty. The rest die. So you you go to the Hunger Games with, theoretically, like a one in 
20 or 40, whatever, however many players there are a chance of surviving. And if you do, you are treated like royalty in, you know, the uh, vampire, you know, raises you up and gives you all kinds of fancy shit and all. Well, in the series, the, you know, of course, there's the one girl who is the protagonist of everything. And in order to get rid of her, the leader decides that for the 75th anniversary of the Hunger Games, they'll have a tournament of champions, which means all of the winners of the previous Hunger Games will compete against one another. And they're all like, what is this shit? We were promised that we don't have to do this again. Now, so of, of them, each of them is one of the original, however many that survived. Now they've got to compete against one another and only one of them will survive. So that was the thing I was referring to there. In a funny way, it's kind of like going to the moon. It's like if it was really a propaganda coup, it didn't really have any military advantage. The guys on Apollo 12 must have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we already put three guys on top of the bottle rocket, lit it, they did it, and came back. Why are we doing it again? Yeah. Well, yeah. and also they burned out their camera. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their color their color camera. So the the snaps <laughs> from the surface were not all that they should have been. Uh but uh yeah, it's stuff like that. Now is there is there an outcome where where someone can make the first move in a way that forces it to be good. So it would be like someone invents quantum computing or gets it to work and then they make it publicly available so no one can have that blade or everyone has the blade and therefore it's not really a blade anymore. Because unlike nuclear war where it doesn't work out that way, we're all dead if everyone uses it. If everyone has mm. quantum computing, no one can it, be quantumly supreme. It, it, it would be very messily public if that happened because it would have to be published. It would have to be something, the sort of thing that like a, a rogue group would do and publish a manifesto and say – this is this is what is now possible. You have to stop using this technology. If you do, this is what will happen. Here is a dem- a demonstration. You know, it's it's. Uh, I don't see any of the potential beneficiaries who have spent the money to realize it doing that. Uh, I can see the possibility of someone who knows what those guys have been doing stepping up and saying, okay, we can't allow this to become what happens. But again, if that happened, it wouldn't be something that we're sitting here talking about. It would be something we know about because it would be very messy. There'd be very messy in public. Yeah. If, if a private person got it all of a sudden, you know, they'd make Bezos and Musk look like paupers. They'd be worth ten yeah. trillion overnight. 
In fact, Bezos and Musk would be among the first who would find themselves like going, um, is there a homeless shelter nearby? <laughs> because yeah. all of their assets would be stolen. Actually, you're uh, right. You and I would probably be better off. Actually, the thing I produce is is original content. I might have very good job security because I've quantum, you know, in a post quantum mm-hmm. world, you could do every activity up to brain surgery and flying commercial jets. What about what about human comedy? What about human? That might be something that's yeah. a little harder to simulate. Entertainment has always been a thing, and that's something that can't be simulated. It can't be, you know, faked. Uh, and I write low-level software. I, it's like I, I implement small-scale projects, so I'd probably be in pretty good shape, too, because uh, the things that I do are not, like, at governmental scales. Uh, and they're always needed. Well, and you also so, you also write, yeah, and and of course there's that. If, if anyone ever fucking paid me for anything that I wrote, then you'll get it, great. Roger. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get yours. Don't worry, it's gonna happen. I don't know when. I can't make you any promises, but I it will. Yeah, happen. it will. I'm, I'm I'm waiting for it to happen on the Philip K. Dick schedule. It will. We're... No, it won't. Geo Hot already mentioned it yes. on Lex Friedman. My 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 heirs will be going like, oh man, this guy's catalog is really taking off. I'm gonna end up getting like sued to oblivion because I'm like hosting original Roger <laughs> William readings, and I'm gonna be like, he did it, and they're gonna be like, but yeah, no, it's like I, it's like you've got permission. It's I'm I'm doing it voluntarily. If, if anyone is wondering, this is me, Roger William, saying I gave Tommy Kerrigan uh, permission to air. Uh, all of the readings that I've done for him over this channel. And if I didn't want him to do that, I wouldn't have read the friggin' stories for him. Well, now we're good. Now we're good. Yeah. Before so. that, you know, <laughs> your heiress who owned your estate could be like, that was, that was, that was living Roger. Living yeah. Roger's dead now. Living well, Living Roger is the one who read the thing for you. Dead Roger couldn't have done that, and therefore we're seizing your assets. <laughs> yeah, man, it's does does the quantum AI does it does it I don't know does it break Ted Kaczynski free <laughs> just for a twist? Well, Prime Light does. Primalite broke everyone free because no one can hurt anyone anymore. Does does the quantum AI does it break Kaczynski free just so Kaczynski has to go? I wanted to prevent you being created and I ended up in jail and you ended up freeing me. Because it's it's some weird mm-hmm. like grandfather paradox. Is it just like is that the quantum AI just like sticking his tongue out at Kaczynski and then I don't know. No, the quantum AI doesn't. Yeah, well, it's an AI. It, it's it, if it's prime intellect, it doesn't care. It's just applying an arbitrary standard, which is it hates prisons and doesn't what feel if, that they're necessary anymore. What if it's so powerful that it doesn't take anything seriously? Because it's right. It'd be like if like a toddler wanted to like wrestle with me. I just would. I'd go about my podcast, and every once in a while, I just like you know toddler comes at me i just pow knock him out for 40 minutes and he wakes tommy's podcast we sponsor punching toddlers and then 
wakes back up and I'm pow and I just keep talking to you. I don't even take it seriously. Could the quantum AI be so powerful that it just it just has a sense of humor? It might be so powerful that it could make the toddler knock you out. Maybe. But I mean, <laughs> is it so powerful that it does nothing but just laugh because it it can't take us seriously because we pose zero threat to it. So it's just pranking. That's all it does That's is prank. One of the views of what a post singularity seed AI might be like. Just Will Ferrell. Yeah. It's uh, because 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 we would be so trivial to it that it might not have any reason to take us all that seriously at all. It might just leave. It, that's another possibility. We. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things where you you really get into a Yudkowsky territory, where you're asking about the motivations of these superhuman oh, intelligence. Uh, and asking how were they formed? Well, uh, were they formed in a way that would cause them to have motivations that are beneficial to us? Uh, that is that is a question Eliezer poured a lot of thought into, and uh, I happen to really respect that. There's a lot of people who think he's kind of nuts, so it's uh, yeah, know. it's. Roger, I gotta go pee real quick. Are you good to talk for a little while longer? No. Oh yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, that's another benefit of doing one episode a day is that they're free. There's no, we gotta wrap this one up because we got another one coming after. That. That's also what I like about doing fewer is lean into them. And uh, yeah, no, we kind of done the quantum computing thing up. I still, well, I still have another thought on that. Hold on. Okay. Well, welcome to the Roger Williams show. <laughs> Uh, so here I am again, alone on the set of Tommy's podcast. Uh, I think I told you all where to get my book. Uh, if anyone's curious, I am, in fact, working on the sequel, The Transmigration of Prime and Elect. It, it's uneven, as always, uh, how much I get done on it at any given time. But uh, for over 10 years, it was completely dormant. It's not anymore. So that's good news for you if you're one of the people who has been turning blue because you've been holding your breath, waiting for it. Uh, and I'm not criticizing anybody or making fun of anybody for that. Actually, I'm kind of turning blue, waiting for it myself, but uh, I don't get it myself until the muse instructs, as it were. And uh, she's been not as silent as she was for a decade or so, but still not as uh, busy as I would kind of like. But that's the thing is uh, doing anything well requires being patient and doing the components right and not doing things that you know aren't working. So that's that's where I am with that. So um, 
the point I wanted to touch on, it was a quote I saw the other day. That it's like, it's, I think it's relative to what you said about, you know, oh, it's how we got onto the whole boosted hydrogen bomb things. Is like, you know, let's say Ivy Mike was boosted A-bomb. And just barely, that would be a good example. Uh-huh. And what you were saying is, is you don't want to see the quantum computer do something 1.2 times faster than the digital and say, look, it's quantum. <laughs> you know, it's, you want to see it truly, truly go. Yeah. And it has well, to Well, that's be- what the, what the Brit- that's what, you know, the, the British had uh, a, a big problem there. They were trying to maintain their uh, status in the world. And there's a really wonderful little movie, which is on YouTube, called The Very British Bomb. Oh, yeah. About, about the British development of their atomic bomb. I've, and I've watched that at some point. So, you know, so they developed just enough plutonium to make an atomic bomb. And right about the time they made their atomic bomb, we did Ivy Mike, which made them like, okay. So... So, in very quick order, they did a boosted bomb and developed half a megaton. But everyone knew what they did. So, everyone knew it wasn't the same. It wasn't what we did. They didn't have the technology. Because you could tell just from the isotopes that the sniffer planes caught, oh, yeah, this wasn't the same as what the Americans done. So, then they had to go on another innovation cycle to figure out what we had done with Ivy Mike and duplicate it. Uh, so that's, you know, the kind of thing you're, you're sort of talking about there is that uh, are you innovating or are you copying or are you faking? Now, when someone tells me, They've done 1.2 times. All right. Everyone can fucking do digital computers now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when someone tells tells me they can do 1.2 times a digital computer, I'm like, okay, so you have a slightly faster digital computer or you did a, an application-specific IC that can solve only this problem but it can do it faster than a general purpose computer can. That's, you know, uh, now if it's a thousand times faster, now that I'm impressed by. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. The difference between Ivy Mike and the the boosted bombs. Yeah. the, The boosted bombs max out at about half a megaton, you know, a few hundred kilotons. And beyond that, you simply can't cram enough shit in it and use chemical explosives to compress it well enough or fast enough to get the initial uh, atomic explosion going. But Ivy Mike was an order of magnitude bigger than that. There was no way to make a boosted bomb that big. And as soon as... The Russians, I think it was sold. Uh, there was one that was, I mean, was, was sent to the, 
to Siberia for a while because of another thing that happened later. But I know who you're talking about. Uh, but as soon as they knew that we had done 10 megatons, which they did because they had spies in our naval flotilla that was accompanying everything, uh, the people back home put on their hats and said, okay, well, there's only a few ways to possibly do this. And it only took them a year or two to work out simply from the fact that we had generated 10 megatons. That was the secret. Yeah, this is yeah. the, yeah. that's the secret of the atomic bomb is that it is possible to build them at all. And the p- secret of the hydrogen bomb is that it is possible to build them at all. Once you let your enemy know that this thing is possible if they have any technical aptitude at all, they'll get it themselves. You can't hide it. You just gave them the biggest secret, yeah. which is that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Operation Crossroads, which was an A bomb test, like in forty six or something. And they they knew that there was like a Russian sub there, I think. Like they knew it was there, but there's really no way to hide it. Or it might have been opposite. It might have been that there were spies there, and then with Ivy Mike, there was just a sub. But it might have been the second one. The point. I think I'm butchering it, but I think one of them was is the bomb was so big that it was like, I mean, we can't possibly scan the whole area for subs because the actual. Well, well, Castle Bravo over uh, went past its design uh, goal, and oh yeah. Uh, Nearly blew the shit out of a lot of our own ships, as well as everything else. Uh, that's the opening of Annie Jacobson's book, DARPA, is the best description of Castle Bravo. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to if download the book just to listen to the first chapter, it is <laughs> there's a there's a part in it where there's a part in it there where young, one of the they start the countdown and one of the older physicists there, he, he forgot his goggles, which I don't know how the fuck you forget those, but everyone put them on, and this guy was like, he started swearing. He was like, damn it, because he had worked on this, but it was also like the amount of time it would have taken to run back down to the bunker and come back up, he couldn't have seen it. So he had to close his eyes. Well, there was a younger guy there that didn't contribute as much and was probably going to see future tests, and he told the guy, let's say, it's, let's say, Roger, let's say you're the older physicist. I go, Roger, take mine. I'll turn around, right? So all these scientists are lined up and they're watching it, right? The younger guy was turned around and was watching them. So he watched them watch it. Well, because of the teller light, he could see all of their skeletons for like a second. And he describes it. The way he describes it is the most metal thing ever. It's he's looking up down these rows because the teller light it's not like it actually lasts for like a second or a second and a half or something right Mm. he was looking at all these scientists he said he was just looking at skeletons wearing lab coats with goggles on and it's the most I mean you just imagine it being the cover of a metal album just a bunch (laughs) of scientists just a bunch of just a bunch of skeletons just teeth and eyes and just but they're all wearing goggles and in each lens is a reflection of Castle Bravo (laughs) and watching watching an atomic bomb go off it's 
I mean, the imagery of that to me is just the sickest thing ever. But um, so yeah. what I wanted to pull up was um, so what you're saying is is so 1.2 times isn't enough. I want it to be a thousand times, and you know, I want it to. I'm, be, I'm not convinced. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was it was something I saw from uh, the New York Times, December eighth, nineteen o three. Which is kind of weird because wasn't the first flight in Kitty Hawk in 1902? So this is just weird. Around then, okay, yeah. maybe it was. Man won't fly. Headline on New York Times, December 8th, 1903. Man won't fly for one million years. To build a flying <laughs> machine would require quote the combined and continuous efforts of mathematicians and mechanics for one million to ten million years. And then. And they were so sure, but then you have Kitty Hawk, and then you could maybe argue, let's say Kitty Hawk is the the one point two times they flew welcome for, to, right? Welcome to the twentieth century. <laughs> but so they they but they flew for let's just let's say that's what it is, right? And let's say it's you and I mm. going sure, but there's hot air balloons. I mean, guys jump on gliders, but we know. Well, you that, have to remember that one of the reasons that the New York Times published that was that there had been attempts by other people to make powered aircraft. Heavy and, air, yeah. Yeah, and, and the problem, that, of course, one of the problems is power itself, but everyone knew that the internal combustion engine could probably solve that, and the Wright brothers weren't the first to even apply that to it. What the problem was was control, was maintaining your path you know stability uh because an aircraft that can be maneuvered is not inherently stable every uh i mean since the 1880s in fact people had been working on heavier than air aircraft with the goal of making them stable the idea being that if you took your hands off the controls they would keep going in a straight line and that was the thing that they kept failing at. Uh, and about five years, I want to say, before the Wright brothers came along, there was even an article that said that if powered air tra- you know, aircraft become a reality, it will probably come through the bicycle shop because a bicycle is another system which is not inherently stable. It's only stable because the human operator keeps it stable. And their argument was that an aircraft will probably be the same way. If you watch a bird, it's constantly shifting and adjusting its wings and its feathers in order to keep doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not just sitting there going, Mm -hmm. okay, now, some birds do that, like uh, hawks and eagles will do what's catching up drafts and stuff. But sharks do. Yeah. But the the thing is, that's not really what you want human you know, aircraft for. You want them to go where you want to go, not where the thermal is going. Yeah. So you're going to have to be making these constant adjustments. And where do we see that? We see that in bicycles. And of course, the Wright brothers were bicycle shop owners. That that was where they came from, and they understood that. So the logic there actually held up. Uh, now, 
we're in a little different space here with quantum computers because I've pretty much spent my entire life programming computers, digital computers, the conven conventional classical computers. And I understand, I don't, I don't know the math that's necessary to build a complex of particles that can do the quantum thing. Okay. I'll, I'll freely admit that I don't know how to do that, but I do know what that math is supposed to be capable of. That I do understand. Just I, like I couldn't do a Fourier transform if you held a gun to my head, but I know what Fourier transforms can do. For one thing, they can encode MP3 files. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we all use this technology all day long, and we don't even know that we're using it. We're using it right now because I can guarantee you, Zoom is Fourier encoding our voices to send them to one mm -hmm. another. Uh, now, with quantum computing, we're asking the universe to do something that we've never observed it to do. We have only observed that it does little subsets of what we're asking it to do. And we're assuming that because it does those little subsets, that if we ask nicely, it will also do the big thing. And if the universe was a deterministic machine, as many physicists think it is, then, yeah, that, that would be a reasonable thing to expect. But I don't think that. That's just me, okay? I'm, I'm just saying, this is Roger. I don't believe in this shit. I, I think that the universe is going to pull somebody's pants down before it allows for any of the expectations of quantum computing to be realized. Uh, and I think that's been happening. Uh, I think the reason that you're seeing... I don't think you would see quantum supremacy as a, an article in Wikipedia with its own page and headline if it had actually been realized. You see it because it's been claimed, but no one is really convinced. Okay. No one, you know, well, until recently, no one had pages asking, did we really go to the moon? Because there was plenty of evidence that we had. It was overwhelming and in the day, it would have been uh, just breathtakingly stupid to question any of it. It's only because we're 50 years out now that it's become possible to say, well, did it really happen? You know, uh, did, uh, did, did all those millions of people who watched Apollo launches just fool themselves? Was it all faked? Was it on a sound stage somewhere? Did the half million people who made it possible for the Apollo launches to happen all just fool themselves? And, you know, if, if you looked at it in the context of the times, particularly when you didn't have 
the apparatus we do now for faking things, then it would have just been ridiculous. Not to mention the propaganda coup it would have been for the Soviets to prove where yeah. to go. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no one would have done that. No one had a no one no one had a motive <laughs> to do that. Everything points to of course we did it. And you know, it was hard, it was risky. We almost lost a crew on Apollo on Apollo thirteen. Uh and you know but the rocks that were brought back could not really have been returned by autumn you know by automated things those exist people do research on them to this day uh the retro reflectors are still there on the moon that were left by the astronauts there is evidence piled up all over the place and there is no evidence at all that we didn't that's just crazy shit I would say for motives, I think there would absolutely be a motive if – let's think about the A-bomb, right? The big secret is is that it's possible at all. We had to do all the R&D, but now you just – you still have to invent it kind of, but it's, you have to discover it now, but you know it's possible. Mm. Like you said, it's not a leap of faith. You know that you can land because you just watch somebody do it. Mm-hmm. That was only – moon landing was only 24 years after that point could you argue that you fake it's possible and i i don't think it was faked i i've had on a guy that's walked on the moon three times <laughs> but i'm just for the sake of entertaining the idea i do like to point out that there i think there absolutely would be a motive of faking it because then you you know you showed it was possible at all you bankrupt the other guy that's a possibility. But I don't the, think the, they did it. I think we did it. Yeah. But uh, the the thing is that the technology for faking for, would, the videos and the uh, and everything, all of the data that came back and the samples that came back simply didn't exist in the 1960s. You're absolutely that, right. Uh, it, it it's much. You know, Occam's razor says no. We went to the moon. Occam's That's razor so. says we just threw some. Yeah. Occam's razor says we just threw some guys in a rocket and we're like. You know, we had yeah. we had speeches planned. We had we had pre written speeches for if they died. It was you know exactly. You know, it was like we knew it was potentially a bad idea. Yeah, and we were ready to do it anyway. I mean, we gotta have respect for that. No, uh, it's, it's it's it it would in fact be more uh, worthy of skepticism if it was today, because it would in fact be practical to fake mm-hmm. all of the results and stage it instead of actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, in, in, in fact, the, I mean, I've watched that technology emerge from not existing at all. Deep fakes. To, yeah, to, to, to being able to do real time video editing as, as a video stream goes along and yeah. Okay. So, but, no one could do that in the 60s. In fact, in the 60s, you couldn't even edit videotape. That, you know, so you're getting this video signal. They were recording it on film. One of the reasons that the re- recordings are so crappy is that the, the signal was not in a normal format 
that you could feed into a normal video recorder. So what they were doing was projecting it and filming the projection with a film camera. And so, of course, it's by the time by the time we get to the copy that we see, it's just like grainy as shit, very unimpressive. Twelve was supposed to fix that, but they pointed their camera at the sun before they started it up and burned out the sensor. So Apollo 12 did not, in fact, have color film. Classic, color. classic mistake. Yeah. When you're standing so, on the sun, class, or standing on the moon, classic mistake. It's um, but So that's the one thing I'd point out, though, is I just always playing devil's advocate, is there would, have, at the very, there would be a motive to fake it. It's not, I don't think it's possible. I think it's easier to go to the, it's like the whole idea of, we faked it, but uh, we used Kubrick and Kubrick. In 1969, it was easier to actually go to the moon than it would have been to try to to actually fake it. It's it's like how the meme goes, you know, the CIA contracted Kubrick to to fake the moon landing, but he was such a stickler for uh, authenticity that he did it on the moon. (laughs) 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 So, but, but... Uh, for the- now, I have to ask you, since we got onto that track, have you ever seen the movie Capricorn 1? No. Okay, because my conspiracy-loving friend at work finally did see it. It's available on YouTube, free with ads, and it's the one It stars O.J. Simpson, among other people, and it, it is about a Mars mission that was faked because at the very last moment, the people running everything at NASA realized that the life support system wasn't viable. And so the rocket leaves and the astronauts who are supposed to be on that are still here. And they're like, what the fuck? And the director of NASA explains to them that that was Hal Holbrook. In fact, says you would be dead if we had let you go. So we didn't want that. So what we're going to do is we have a sound stage. We're going to, we're going to stage everything. There are robots on the rocket. We're going to, you know, they're going to collect samples for us. We're okay with that, but you're going to have to be the human face of the program. So they actually do the the fake landing on Mars. And when the real rocket returns, it malfunctions and burns up in the atmosphere instead of landing. So at that point, the astronauts can't still be alive. So oh fuck. <laughs> so yeah, you can you can imagine where it goes then. What do it they, is? Do they kill all the astronauts, or do they put them into? You need to watch the movie. All right. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> you would like it. Okay. It's yeah. It would. It, that that is that is a movie that would uh, tickle every one of your chromosomes. That's. That, that would be, yeah, you can imagine the astronauts being like, well, I guess we've got to go into hiding now. And the government's like, uh, we've got a, we got a simpler solution. Let's just say black helicopters are, in fact, involved. Yeah, just fucking <laughs> burn them. Just throw it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, uh, the thing, oops, the thing with the Kitty Hawk is, um, so, like, let's just play devil's advocate against the 1.2x maybe they do this flight thing 
and you're going, all right, these jackasses in three-piece suits with their paper mache plane and their open-air cockpit <laughs> on a beach, and there it was windy, and they only flew for 120 feet. I'm not impressed. Sure, it's a heavier-than-aircraft, but it's not much better than a hot air balloon. But we could argue, just hear me out, we could argue that that did show it was viable, and we know that the Kitty Hawk flight is now shorter than the business class of a 747. The first flight is shorter than the business class section of a modern, not even a modern day, a 50-year-old aircraft. The critical, the critical thing was that they demonstrated control. Yeah. But, they demonstrated the ability to control where their aircraft was going. That, that was, the, it, it wasn't, everyone knew how to get lift. Mm-hmm. That was not in doubt. Everyone knew how to get lift. Everyone knew the th- you know the theory behind that. It was like building a kite, basically. And in fact, the Wright brothers built a lot of kites before they built the Kitty Hawk glider. Uh, in fact, they built a couple of gliders before they built the powered aircraft. What they demonstrated in that flight was the ability to aim their aircraft and put it where they wanted it to be regardless of what the air was doing. That was something no one had done before. And a lot of people don't understand that. This is this is kind of like the way we started this about, you know, you asked me about quantum computing, but before I could even talk about that, I had to talk to you about quantum mechanics and yeah. exactly why quantum mechanics is so strange. Well, the thing about flight is that the basic principle of flight of you push forward and you get lift that was understood 20, 30 years before the Wright brothers came along. Now it helped that they had engines, which were fairly new at the time. And in fact, the Wright brothers made a lot of innovations in engine design to make it light. Uh, But it also was about control about manipulating the geometry of the airfoils so that they could make the plane go where they wanted. And that that goes back to the guy who said, if we get powered flight, it will come from the bicyclist shop because the bicyclist has to constantly adjust. Yeah, you know, you, you're, you're constantly manip- maneuvering and all. And that's, and, and understood, that's what powered flight will require. And what the Wright brothers developed was a way to do that. And in fact, the way that they did it isn't the way that we do today. It was very primitive by modern standards because they didn't use ailerons. Their entire wing was flexible. And the cloth covering of it slid. And so their controls actually twisted the entire wing into a different configuration as they pulled the levers and it was a few years after the kitty hawk flight before people started to say well there might be a little more robust and simpler way to get this effect Um, but that was what they had seen with birds so they were they were asking how does a bird do this and they said well the bird adjusts the angle of its wing And that's what we need to do. We need a wing whose angle can be adjusted so that we can put more lift on that side and less on that or vice versa. 
depending on what we want the aircraft to do. Uh, and that was really their most significant contribution. Uh, and, and most people, who, even people who know about the Kitty Hawk flight, don't realize that that was the single biggest innovation that the Wright brothers made, was it wasn't about power. It wasn't about getting off the ground into the air. People had done those things. It was about control so that once you were in the air, you could get that, you know, get where you wanted to be back down. So that's why that flight that was less than the wingspan of a modern plane was so significant because they put the craft down where they wanted it to be. Okay. No one, no one had ever done that before. Okay. I didn't know any of that. So, okay. Today I learned. It's... <laughs> All right. So, okay, so then, all right, so what you're saying is is, is like the 1.2x, it didn't necessarily do anything that a digital couldn't do. Is that what exactly. you're yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not, if, if, if you're telling me that you've got a computer that does about the same as a digital computer, but, oh, but this one's quantum. I'm, I'm asking, what is the motivation for you to be ripping me off or lying to me because you want me to invest in your technology. Okay. And are you faking it? I want you to do something that could convincingly not be done by a digital system. And then I'll believe it. But if you're telling me it's 1.2 times faster than a digital computer, I'm going to say, did you actually create this quantum technology or did you build a custom ASIC that is a little bit faster than a normal computer, but it can only be used to do this one particular problem in order to do this demonstration? Like the guy in Years of Rice and Salt who needed a little funding, so he faked up this thing of turning lead into gold to try and get a little investment from his king and uh, in that case, he got caught and then ended up having only one hand over it because it was Muslim society. So. <laughs> okay, I, I I get it now. I get it. My interpretation of is before I knew about the importance of Kitty Hawk. My interpretation was is like that was such a baby step, but what it did was it showed it could be done. And then look where we are to now, right? We've got mm-hmm. solar powered. We've got, you know, Antonov 225s. We've got Airbus. <laughs> My whole analogy with that was going to say is like Kitty Hawk was the 1.2X. And it was like not impressive, but look what's coming down the road. Down the road, you can get that 1,000X. And what you're, okay, and, and what you're saying is oh. that's not what it is. And so now I understand. Okay, so no. Kitty, Kitty Hawk actually unlocked an entire modality that nobody suspected was even needed, except for the Wright brothers and a few other people, and that's what made everything else possible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. So okay, that's yeah. yeah my all right. My yeah. My analogy was trying to show the importance of like it's a baby step and it's tiny, but look, it does work. Okay, I see what you're saying. It's one point two x is like. No, it's got to do something that truly... I'll I'll tell you what did impress me was the guys in 2014 who built a quantum system that could factor a three-digit number. 
I believe they were sincere. I believe they, they were honest, and that was an honest result that showed the possibility of quantum computing. I don't think they were overreaching or pretending to something. I think that that was really uh, a statement as to what could be done with these qubit systems. But I think what happened is that the hype opened a floodgate to the grifters who wanted to open everyone's pockets because okay, there is a clear path from that. If you believe in the Copenhagen interpretation that the universe will always do the same thing, that will be very consistent, then you should be able to get it to factor a thousand-digit number for you just as well as factor a three-digit number. It's just a matter of improving on your technology. Now, my personal belief is that the universe might not be so amenable to that. Uh, we've never demonstrated that it really is. But given the vast stakes, trillions of dollars that are at stake, if you can make this work, then getting someone to invest in you, if you can show a result that's a little better than the last guy, becomes a temptation. I in can't itself. imagine... Yeah. yeah, I can't I can't imagine anyone resisting anyone who comes up and says, well, we've improved from three digit numbers to five digit numbers. Can you give us a little investment? I have to ask, have you really improved or did you just hide a digital computer in the yes, middle of your? Yeah, I see. And I. And I honestly think that is mostly what has happened in the last six or seven years. I, I, I don't honestly believe any of these guys have done what they've claimed to do. It's just because if they were actually real, it would have gone further and faster, and it wouldn't be stalled where it is right now at approximately one-to-one -one between the quantum computers and digital computers. If the, if the quantum shit was real, it would be devastatingly real. There would be no, none of this, you know, 1.2 times faster. It would be a thousand times faster. It would be devastating. It would be, and it would be on the front page of every newspaper in the world. It would be, businesses would be shutting down and locking down their systems. I just... I don't think it's real. Yeah, it, right. It'd be like, um, be like if if UFOs, if aliens really want to make themselves seen, they wouldn't do this grainy, distant <laughs> video and then rely on the Pentagon to tell us. No, they'd go Independence Day. They would float over Washington D.C., Paris. Okay, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And yeah, and then there and there's an incentive to fake. I mean, it's like. Grand Theft Auto V, if I'm correct, is still the most profitable video game of all time. It shattered every record. I think it made more than any movie did in its first, <laughs> like, 48 hours. It came out in 2013, all right? And the Grand Theft Auto IV came out in 2008, so there's that, and that was the biggest wait ever. It was five years. Grand Theft Auto VI is now recently, they've said, they've put a date on 2026 is when it will come out. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting. By 2018, we were like, they should be dropping it any minute now. And now, just like a week ago, 
What is it supposed to like run on fucking quantum processors? Or something? Well, fucking. Well, that's <laughs> the thing now is like. Well, now they might have shot themselves in the foot because now the expectations are so absurd that it doesn't just have to be the next best installation of the game. But th- that's a whole different rabbit hole for another episode. But people have made. There's this one channel of just one of those like again those thumbnails that make me want to just light a puppy on fire is this one kid was putting out videos like two years ago and he did i think he actually like contracted like an actual like like photoshop artist to make like a really convincing grand theft auto 6 like trailer no like case teaser no like video game like you know the same you know the same because they have the same font in all the game. Oh, okay, yeah. The, the same kind of pastel colors. The box. Ma- yeah, made it look realistic, put it in the plastic case, had it, like, you know, heat-sealed with plastic. <laughs> and it was more than just a LARP. Well, because he put it on his YouTube channel and he got, like, 9 million views. Well, his channel was monetized, <laughs> and you get about 10 bucks per 1,000 views. So he made, like, what I mean, what is that, $90,000? Is that mm. that's my math? So there's a real benefit to to lying about, you know. And once you get it, you get it. And then you can just... There was no investors. People clicked on the video under their own volition. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. And plus, if you really had something... Yeah, wait, and, and you have to look at the class of people who stand to lose the most if quantum computing turns out to be real and technologically unsavvy yeah and and their motivation all right so if you go to one of these guys and say i am a technical guy i can tell you this quantum shit is real this is this is going to be a thing that happens within the next 15 to 20 years this is absolutely going to happen the all of quantum mechanics has been telling us this for 80 years and you're going to lose everything that you have because it's all digital and all of the security codes are going to become as transparent as glass the day that someone has this technology unless you get it first do you want to like give me a little money to help instead of the second because if you're the second you lose and you've got to realize you're making this pitch to someone who is not himself technically savvy yeah so to that kind of person yeah and 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 i'm particularly uh sensitive to this right at the moment because i happen to be in the middle of uh going through the netflix original series the crown about queen elizabeth and the royal family and in season one she is uh bitching a bit about the quality of her education because when she starts to meet other world leaders she realizes that their education is far better than hers that they taught there they've been taught far more things about how the world works and what she's been taught is, besides the manners and the rituals of the royalty, the British Constitution. 
And her own tutor says, well, ma'am, you know the British Constitution better than anybody. But she's like, yes, but that doesn't help me when I'm talking to President Kennedy. That's, you know, uh, so she, you know, there, there is an understanding there that the people who make the decisions are have deliberately by the enterprises that have arranged the entire situation are not the people who have the knowledge. The people who have the knowledge are the advisors. And the people who make the decisions hear this advisor and that advisor, and they weigh the advice. Now, if you have me on your left shoulder saying this is a bunch of poppycock and it won't ever work, and you have Ed Teller on your left shoulder saying, if you don't do this first, we're all going to (laughs) die. What do you do? (laughs) Yeah. If, if, if Roger's right, then yippee, I'm right. If, You're not. If, Ed, yeah. if Ed's right, I'm fucked. You so, know? you know, it's very unlikely that you decide to to not do it. Put zero effort into yeah. it. So you put some effort, and because these people have such obscene amounts of money, that little bit they put toward edging their condition actually ends up being a lot of money particularly to the grifters who have arranged the scheme for them so i mean i'm looking at this and going i went in the wrong line of business you know it's yeah it's me (laughs) it's me emailing michael jordan and being like i might be the next rogan don't you want to get in early and to him, he's like, eh, we'll give this kid two minutes of one of the hours of one of the days of my life. Whereas to me, having on Michael Jordan for two minutes, I mean, that 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 might that might do more for my, my podcast than I've done in, you know, 18 months, 510 episodes, and a cut, <laughs> and a cut dick. Like, you know, it might. So there is, yeah, there is real value in that. Yeah. But you got to think, and I mean, if you were really... If you were really, you know, truly genuine scientist, to, it's not a laughing matter, Roger. I almost died. Uh, imagine if I. Yeah, but it's the way that you almost died that is so it's funny. So fantastic. So you've got to. I mean, it's like no. It's it's it was fantastic. It was. They will they will tell your tale for generations. It will. It's a new biblical story. You know, it's like the early bird gets the worm, and it'd be like, never forget the parable of the man who cut his dick in the shower. You know? <laughs> it's just a new twist on all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm. All work and no play makes <laughs> makes Jack castrated. <laughs> makes Tommy infertile. It's, right? But you got to think, like, let's say you were a quantum computer researcher, and you were truly... You wanted this thing done, right? Mm-hmm. And you truly believed in it. Or, so you're honest. Or you're yeah. it, or and or you're an Ed Teller. Whereas Ed Teller was the salesman, but was also the guy building it. Mm-hmm. And he was a true believer in the, the so because you know he came from a communist background, and he was like I've, you know like I've yeah. seen what happened. So well, he he was he was, he was the, the the evangelist for making the biggest bomb possible. His oh yeah his, his problem bomb. with doing the reason we never did a boosted bomb was that Teller said it wouldn't be big enough. Oh yeah, no, he wanted the uh, he wanted the backyard bomb, right? The ten gigaton mm-hmm. bomb, which they named yeah. the code name was uh, the code name was the Latin name for a sundial because. 
everything in the world would be turned into a sundial, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> Again, Annie Jacobson's book, DARPA. Um, now, if you have that scientist who's a genuine researcher and who wants to see this go forward and or has legitimate national security concerns, you might never see his pitch because he's maybe not going to Apple or Microsoft. He's maybe knocking on the door of, of DARPA or the defense, or he's going to the Pentagon with a, a laptop and a notebook, right? He might mm-hmm. actually be, you know, Joint Chiefs of Staff, can I have two minutes of your time? He might be going to them, in which case the 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 proposition, the pitch might have been made, but it would be, I mean, it's like Ben Rich taking his stealth idea to the Pentagon, and once they found out about it, they were like, all right, shut the fuck up about this. No more pitches. Special access program, right? <laughs> so, you know, he didn't pitch it to Boeing, right? He didn't pitch it to Airbus. He knew what it was. It was a revolution in military lethality. So, yeah. So it's almost like it's almost like a weird catch-22. Like, if someone's making the pitch, then it's they probably have no actual desire or capability to make it. And if you're not hearing about the pitch, it's because it's being done in a bunker somewhere. Uh-huh. But then the burden of proof is on us because we can't just say, oh, the fact that we haven't seen it says shows that it's going on. And it's, well, no, because that's, 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 yeah. that's an easy argument. So, Well, the, the thing is, it, it would change so many things so dramatically so quickly that I think if the technology worked the way that it's being promised and anyone ever made it work, uh, there would be no doubt. It would, it would be like, Oh yeah, this thing that looked like the sun exploded over a city in Japan. Yeah. Okay. You You wouldn't have any doubt that it works. It's okay. Uh, because the first time you use it, it's, it's impact out. it's out yeah is is devil and 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 the thing is the nature of information systems means that if you're aware of this then the way that you would use it is you wouldn't just use it against one entity you would use it in a devastating way to collapse the entire system and take it over for yourself a one and done coup yes it would it would be a global coup where you would have control over all of the information infrastructure and it would be very hard for anyone to recover it's like no one would have any doubt that it happened okay and that hasn't happened so it's not real that's my i see what you're saying that's the way that i'm looking at it because yes if you have spent this much effort And people have spent millions of dollars poured into the quantum computer black hole. If you actually manage to do what it claims to do, there is only one real killer app here, and that is to break cryptography. And if you get that, then you have the opportunity to choke hold the entire world. You either use it or you don't. And if you use it, 
none of us will be in any doubt that you did. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, why did you pour millions of dollars into it? Why? Well, yeah. It's right. No, it's. I mean, you said it well. It's like you can't hide the 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 brightness of the sun over a city. You could level a city, like LeMay did it, but yeah. it's like. It's not the same. It's the 1.2x. And it's like, well, LeMay did that with incendiaries. How do I not know you just did this again? Look, there's literally nothing there. And the center mm-hmm. is glass. Yeah. And people are burned. And there's, there's fucking shadows of people who used to be yeah. alive burned into asphalt. Yeah, there are things okay. <laughs> There are things that no number of incendiaries could do, right? It's not just total land destroyed. Look at the way in which it was destroyed. There are things yeah. that only... 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit can do. Yeah, and doing this with incendiaries takes two days, but doing this with the atomic bomb took 15 seconds. Yeah, so I get I get what you're saying. Now, could it be... Factor that, of a thousand. Yeah, could it be <laughs> that, let's say it's invented, would there be a benefit in keeping it quiet for even a limited... Let's say it was invented today. Maybe. Depends on the depends on the actor who invents it. So let let's say it's the NSA. Let's say this is above president. This isn't Biden, Trump. Let's say this is like deep like national right, defense threat reduction agency, DARPA, whatever. Let's say and, they create yeah. it and they create it today. They might show it in thirty days, but wouldn't you at the very first because it's this new thing? Wouldn't you go? Let's take it for just a couple test rides so we know what this machine is. The NSA is one of the few entities that I can believe would actually keep it under wraps and use it in a way that we might not know that they had it because that's what they've always done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, the thing is, the NSA hasn't been pouring millions of dollars into quantum computing. I would expect – well – I don't think that could be hidden very easily because the entities that do quantum computing research are pretty open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they form a liaison with a government agency, it's It'll get. pretty obvious. Uh, now, I think if they did, then they are one of the few entities that are capable of funding that sort of thing that might keep it secret because they're used to doing that. Uh, I think most of the entities that are pouring all this money into it are are simply looking for short-term gain. And as soon as they had the ability to exploit it, they would use it to the max. They would burn everything out uh, because, I mean, let's face it, particularly in our modern age politicians don't seem to have a long view so i think you would have you know politicians businessmen you know they they would they would seize the day and just take every advantage possible in the shortest time while they had that advantage mm-hmm. uh, the nsa i can believe would just sit on it and maybe try to discourage other people from getting it but there's no evidence that the NSA has significant development into any of these companies that are doing it. I mean, you've got companies like IBM and Google uh, doing quantum. In fact, they're some of the ones that are claiming quantum supremacy. Mm-hmm. 
which I find very dubious, which is interesting on that face because these are not entities that you would normally suspect of being grifters because they would normally not need to be. But because so much money and power is at stake, I think even people who would normally be honest would be tempted to go into the gray side, as it were, you know, to like pry a little more money out of it or, or whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really a game. I don't play those games. You know, uh, it's like in real life, what I do is I make things work. Making quantum computers work requires an education level far beyond what I have. I understand that. I said, I don't know the math that is used to actually set up a qubit and to entangle qubits and to get a result out of a system of qubits that answers a question. That is super complicated and involves a bunch of hardware that is very hard to use, even if you know what it does, which I don't, and which varies depending on what particles you're using, what properties of those particles you're using for your entangled state vector and all. But I know what the math is trying to do. That is actually fairly simple. It's also fairly crazy because it's quantum and everything about quantum mechanics is a bit crazy. So I, I look at this and I'm, I'm going and, and I'm asking myself what a what someone like Queen Elizabeth would say if they came to her when she was 20 years old and said, your Highness, we have this thing going on. We have a project, and this is what it might be able to do. And if it works, it means supremacy over the entire world. And if it doesn't, then it will be a bit of a waste of money. But if someone else does it and they succeed, then they will have supremacy over us. Uh, we would like five million pounds to make yeah. sure that we are not left in the parking lot, as it were. Yeah. And ask yourself if if the royal wouldn't say, "Well, that's a modest amount of money in the scheme of national expenditure." Oh, let's spend that. The Brits spent a lot more than that on their atomic program. Now, they knew because of us that success was a possibility. They weren't pouring it down the black hole. And they also had some of uh, their people who had worked on the Manhattan Project giving them hints uh, but still, it was a very risky thing. 
Now, you, you take, you know, cryptography and quantum phenomena are both super weird. It, it's impossible to really understand what they do without a really full grounding and super complicated math that most people don't get. And it's probably fair to say that anyone who actually understands the math behind a quantum computer isn't going to have a billion dollars because they were too busy doing the math thing to get the billion dollars. That's just not, you know, they're going to be an advisor. And they're going to say, yes, Mr. Bezos, I am the best person in the world at what I do. I'm telling you, this is what the math says. And the guy on the other side of the room is me. And I'm saying, this is moonshine. It's bullshit. It's not going to work. And Bezos is going to turn to me and say, can you guarantee that? And I have to honestly say, no, Mm -hmm. I can't guarantee that. This is my feeling based on having lived in this universe for 57 years and done quite a bit of work on machines. And I just don't think that the universe is going to do all this math for you for free. And here is a person who is relatively uneducated compared to either of us weighing the scales there's no way it comes to zero yeah he's going to give the guy something because you cannot guarantee that he's that he's wrong 100 you can't guarantee he's 100 percent wrong no there's there's no way i mean i wouldn't even call myself honest if i said that because i can't guarantee that i just feel that it is so unlikely that i wouldn't invest any money in it But I also don't have an empire. I don't have vast business interests that are dependent on cryptography continuing to work. So, yeah, I I mean, I understand. And and you, you pry a few million dollars from each of these people. Yeah. Then you have, you have an actual fucking economy going of, of, of people doing this shit which might all be snake oil. Yeah. Yeah, because if it, if he's even one... If he is any non-zero number correct, but then the threat that's being multiplied by that number is infinity, yeah. quantum supremacy, thermonuclear supremacy, then it doesn't matter because yeah. you're dead. I mean, I can understand that calculus. <laughs> yeah. Even though I personally wouldn't devote a penny to it, because that's my personal understanding, but that is because it's my personal understanding. And just like the other guy, I spent my life becoming Roger Williams instead of Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's where I am at this point in 2021. Uh, it's uh, maybe Bezos is with you, but even he's going. Is my two hundred billion dollar empire really worth not throwing one point five million at this guy? Exactly. Not at all. But from the guys who are doing this, one point five million dollars is a lot of money. 
again, it's me getting Michael Jordan and, for two minutes. Right. So how many how many of these billionaires are there? How many uh, heads of state are there? How many governments are there that you can grift for a few million dollars to fund your research, even if you know that it probably isn't going anywhere? Well, I think at that level, you also start making examples. Someone dupes you. Their car just, you know, runs into a gas tank. Well, you have to, you have, you have to say we're not yet at the point where anybody has been shown to definitely be faking it. Yeah, I think we're not far from finding that out about some of the interests. I think we might be maybe two or three years out uh, because we've got a few people. It's like the people who are going. The people who have claimed quantum supremacy have stepped out onto a ledge. And I think it's a matter of time before they get pushed off because that's too far. You, you, you can't stay there. You have to either pony up or fold. And either way, you know, it's like, and if you can't pony up, you are fucked. Uh, that is the other side of running a grift like this on these powerful people is that when you do get your pants pulled around around your ankles, they also you put a are, around your neck. You are screwed in a major way. <laughs> well, I mean, right? It's the, it's the Soviet physicists, the ones that pulled off the thermonuclear bomb. Their kids got better educations. They got cars. Mm-hmm. They got passes to go all about the Soviet Union. And if you didn't do it right, you were all going to the gulag. It's, yes, you know, and the and, and the and the and the Soviet nuclear guys pulled it off. They, you know, they didn't have to fold. Yeah, they 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 showed aces. They came up when it was time. The bomb went off. It did exactly what they promised it would, and so it was payday. But I don't see that in quantum computing land right now what i see is a bunch of people who have made promises a lot of which i find very unbelievable and they've made those promises to people who've paid them a lot of money and i'm wondering what will happen when the people who gave them that money decide that yeah, maybe it was a grift instead of a promise. Yeah, you don't. Uh, um, you don't take now. Now, now, and 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 in fairness, it is possible to invest money in a research project it's and just... legitimately find out that you can't do the thing you thought you would be able to do. Yeah, and that's, that is that's genuine risk. That's a thing that happens. Okay, but. If you go in, if, if, if it turns out that you have faked early results to create an impression that you can do things that you weren't even actually able to do, then in order to attract investment to improve a result that you never actually had, that's fraud. Yeah. If the guy investing in my podcast, if it just doesn't work. Like, we get, I don't know, maybe we get 100,000 subscribers, we get some great episodes, but it just doesn't turn into a profitable enterprise, you know? And that's the that's the risk you get to take in a free market, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Now, if I take the money and skedaddle, or he goes, hey, I gave you money at episode 250. Where's you... episode 500? No, where's episode 251? And I'm like, oh, it's it's coming. It's it's going to be great. Eh, that's when, yeah, that's when I turn up missing, right? It's, right? Yeah, because, because depending, depending on who your investor is. Well, yeah, no, with be... this, it would, it would just be more so. I would just be... You know, I would just never see yeah. a penny from anyone ever again. It would just be, you know, your reputation would be ruined. No, I wouldn't take. No, I wouldn't take money from the mob. I'd fuck that. If the mob came to me and said we love your podcast, I want to invest in it. I'd say no, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely no, thank you. Oh, how would you know it was the mob though? I can't answer that question, but I can't because of my contract. I the stars align in that. A mechanism was put at my disposal that it, it, it's it's foolproof. It's I can't expl- yeah. I can't explain it because of my car, but it's Enough it's, said. it's beautiful. Enough no, said. no, it's it's, said. it's okay. It's quantum mechanics. It just it's it's complete. We don't have to go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lasers on my forehead, Tommy. Stop, 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 stop. And I'm like, no, let me tell you about my. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, well, you know what's really serious is you see the laser on my forehead. Oh, yeah, that's how you fucking know. <laughs> Roger, stop asking questions, buddy. Just stop asking questions. It's, you know, and I guess the crazy thing about everything we're talking about, though, is, like, this implies when quantum supremacy does come, it's going to come with the same surprise as August 6th at 8.16 a.m. Yes, absolutely. It's gonna, It's going to be... A digital second sunrise over a yeah. metaphorical city. There will be no doubt. It will disrupt the entire world economy for weeks at the least. It'll disrupt supply chains. It will disrupt the food supply. It will disrupt everything as entities figure out how to restore secure communications over channels that are not secure anymore. And, uh, you basically won't be able to do anything online, including anything that we take for granted. Like, uh, my wife pays all of our credit bills online and and everything. None of that will be possible. Really, uh, it will disrupt the credit industry completely. It'll 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 disrupt monetary systems to the point where they won't function for a while. This, uh, I was going to say the services will stop. But mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, no, like Zoom and like the internet would stop. But I was going to say this podcast would be disrupted because there's no, nothing's based on no one. But I realized the actual systems we use would be disrupted. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to say how deep that would go, whether the internet itself. Now, what, what would be true is that any uh, supposedly secure internet service would no longer be secure. Yeah. So... Uh, we, I mean, I don't think we're too concerned if anyone is eavesdropping on this. So, uh, the yeah. basic, the basic distribution of data and and stuff like that would probably still be okay. Although the financial underpinnings of the entities that make all this possible might be a problem. Uh, the uh, the bigger thing would be funding for major projects. Uh, people's retirement accounts, social security, and so forth. Uh, anything, you know, and, and really anything done 
digitally online would no longer be secure. Uh, so it, it, it would re- it would require like uh, enormous industries to just go back to a pre-digital way of doing things where you have to exchange paper uh, until they came up with a secondary way of dealing with it. Now, there are, are suggestions that the very same technology could also suggest quantum-based encryption that would be the next lever, the next level. Um, but again, it would take time to implement things like that and to also to show that they are reliable and that they work and that they're actually secure because none of that is really known right now. And if quantum computers come around and make everything fail, then nothing is going to be trusted for a long time. Could it be that's that's what the the lag time between invention and us knowing about it would be? Would be whoever created it would be like, all right, we we need to find out. Let's find out quantum encryption on our own on our own timeline, as opposed to being forced to. We figure it out and then we go, you know, fuck up the world. So when everyone else catches up and creates their own quantum computer because they now know it's possible. Will already be a step ahead and have encryption figured out. So there might be a benefit to wargaming it for a little bit before you, you know, take it to the world. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there is that. That's, uh, I mean, the the benefit is there to be first, uh-huh. uh, and the question is how you exploit that, and it depends on who that actor is who was first how it gets exploited now like i said i'm not really bullish that this shit is even possible and i'm not all that worried about it it's uh because i don't i because i think that a lot of the hype is bullshit and when i look at what has happened so far uh, I'm seeing a, a, the leap from 2014 to 2021 looks more like hype and grift than actual progress. Yeah. Uh, when, when I see the progression going from we factored a three-digit number to we can factor thousand-digit numbers faster than a digital computer, and we did this in six years or seven years, but it's just a little better. Yeah. What I, what I'm seeing there is that there's an actual digital computer underneath the quantum crap that is actually doing the real work and it's a scam. Yeah. And the whole point is about getting investment to yeah. improve things. <laughs> yeah. And uh and it's very hard for me to shake that. I mean, I'm just I'm sorry if anyone is offended by that, but I uh, the smell of bullshit and all this is very strong. Yeah, it'd, it'd be like trying to win investment money for my time machine, and I prove to you it works by showing you a video of Roger from tomorrow, and you just make like a very, <laughs> you know, unprovably wrong, you know, prediction. You just make a very like, you take like 
a very like unsexy prediction of what like you know the market will do just like mm-hmm. 0.2% growth and they go how do we not know that this isn't just a bluetooth video going yes. to your buddy Roger in New Orleans and the price of bitcoin will be about $30,000 tomorrow yeah it's you know you would have to well, provide it's been above $30,000 for the last 6 weeks you'd have so. to provide something like hyper you'd have to provide like the the exact value of yeah. like the Dow Jones down to the decimal point. It would have to be more like, well, Bitcoin is going to soar from thirty thousand to eighty thousand dollars tomorrow. No one's going to expect it, but it's going to happen, and then it happens. That would be believable. Okay, that would be convincing. Yeah. But uh, okay, Bitcoin is at thirty-one two hundred. Last time I looked at it, uh, and I go on and say, well, yeah, Bitcoin will be at about thirty-four tomorrow. You'd that have, could actually happen. You'd it have might to not if it didn't. You'd have to predict like the exact number of yards Tom Brady throws for in a game, <laughs> right? Something that you and I couldn't, because you know we could say uh, tomorrow a, a a Ford dealership in Dallas gets bombed, and oh. wave to the NSA because this is just a hypothetical on my podcast. We could you know go firebomb a Ford dealership if we think that it's <laughs> worth the investment money we're about to get. Yeah. You'd have to well, do and something. The, the, other, the other thing you've got to remember is that everything quantum is probabilistic. Nothing is definite. So everything you get out of a quantum mechanical system is a probability. And the even, even the correct result of your computation is something that might not come out all the time, which is one of the reasons you see a lot about error correction and redundancy now in articles about quantum computing. So you see like IBM building a 50 qubit system. Now that's, in the early days, a qubit might be a particle suspended in a laser beam, which they can do with detectors and cameras and shit arranged around it. Uh, Lately, the big hotness for the last couple of years has been Josephson junctions, which are basically superconducting tunnel diodes. And the quantum binariness is uh, established by which side of the junction the electron is actually on. Left, right, left, right, okay. And it's on both of them at the same time when it's in a superposed state. Uh, the advantage those things have is they're easy to manufacture. They're teeny. They don't involve a bunch of fucking complicated instruments in order to detect the state of things and set it up and all. Um, and the problems they're having with them are noise and decoherence, which is common to the whole thing. Um, but when yeah yeah when you read a thing it's like we have a 50 qubit system now now I remember when this was all young and hot back in the early 20 teens people were saying a 10 qubit system should be able to factor numbers that a digital system would take years to do well we have 50 qubit systems why aren't they factoring numbers digital systems can't do well, it turns out errors and error correction and decoherence are all problems, which is 
what you would also expect if the universe is just going, nope. Mm-hmm. Not doing the math for you. On this one, we're going to stick a fork in it. And uh, Would that be... I, Go on. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, it goes back to the, the whole idea of the simulation hypothesis. Uh, it's obviously a natural thing to me because I was one of the first people to come into this idea that you might live in a simulation your entire life and consider it natural. And it's taken the rest of the world 35, 40 years to kind of catch up. Uh, But there are certain things, particularly in quantum mechanics, that make simulation the most attractive explanation for why things work the way that they do. Because otherwise, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But if you assume that it is a simulation, then everything falls into place and it's very natural. Okay, well, that then, then it makes perfect sense. Now, that leads to an entire different rabbit hole. <laughs> would, would one outcome be if the universe is a simulation... Would that be the Fermi paradox? It's like as we gain the ability to look that far out and see nothing, that also means we're looking that close at like atomic and subatomic scales. And it's you can have your you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's you can now look yeah. this far, but now you're never going to be able to get to meet aliens because you're using the most the the most amount of aliens you'll ever get to see is a grainy UAP video. If you want more in-depth, high-rendered aliens, first we got to do an EMP on the Earth so that you can't do all this this subatomic shit. And then you'll be able to see high-res Independence Day saucers. It's one or the other, right? Uh, I've made the observation that if you look at the early days of particularly unmanned interplanetary exploration. Uh, There is a history of the first probe that we sent to a place either not working or returning really boring, uninteresting results. And the second probe we send to the same place, maybe this one works or it looks a little better, but not, but then there's a tipping point and the third or fourth probe that we send to a place and this happened with the moon it happened with mars it happened with venus in the case of the soviets it happened with jupiter okay so we send probes and they kind of sort of work or they're not that but then we send one that is fucking spectacular yeah that just blows everyone's eyeballs out with the images that it returns. And I have pointed out to a few people that this is consistent with the idea that none of these places actually existed until 
we started poking the universe and saying, is there a thing here? And at first it was like, oh, don't bother me. That probe didn't work. Oh, darn. Okay. And then you send another probe and it's like, oh, fuck, I can't do that again. All right. So, okay. So, so we send a, a, a flyby of Mars that looks so much like the moon that it is completely discouraging. That ought to kill anybody's interest. And then we send another one. And then it's like, fuck. They sent another one. Fuck. Now we got to put a planet there. God damn it. And so now, but then, okay, now there's a planet there. And the universe goes to a lot of trouble to render this like, okay, it's four billion years old. So it's got to have this and that. It's yeah. going if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Yeah. And now the probe comes and it's all marginal. And it's like, oh, no, you're going to fucking work. You're gonna <laughs> show. We went to a lot of trouble to make these things. You're going to send a bunch of pretty pictures. You wanted to go to Burger King for dinner. You're going to eat your French fries. You're not going to. You want to go to Disney World? We're not watching movie in the hotel. We are going out and we are going to get sunburned on the roller coasters. It's, yeah, I get it. So, and and that is a pattern that has repeated itself several times in the history of early space exploration, in 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 a pattern that is highly suspicious. If you if you are like interested in things like woo and the well, simulation paradox, I was, was going like, you know, all that. I I mean I'm not the conspiracy guy who's going to say. The universe is a simulation, and this is proof of it. But on the other hand, my ears prick up when I see things like that, and I go, "Hmm." I don't think you have to be conspiratorial minded. <laughs> I think that I think that could just be being open minded and looking at the data and being like, "Let's examine all outcomes. Is it the fake digital computer dressed up as a quantum, or is it an actual quantum? It's is it just that our that we're tweaking our probes, or?" Is something being Is the universe tweaking us? And then, you know, well, we have to wait until it happens again. We have to see if it's reproducible. And then it is well, reproducible. And you go, huh. Well, and, well, the thing is, if if it's the universe tweaking us, it implies that the universe is conscious <laughs> and aware of us. And it implies that things aren't consistent. And we can't depend on things happening the same way tomorrow that they did yesterday. Because the universe might change its mind. So... That's a thing. And science does not deal with that well at all because science only works if you assume the universe is completely consistent. So science is completely impotent against a universe that is conspiring against us, that that cares what we are seeing, okay? Because the whole... Bash, you know, the whole foundation of science is the assumption that everything is consistent, that it, the experiment you did last Tuesday will yield the same result next week that it did last week. And the simulation theory uh, basically says that ain't necessarily the case. And that's a thing that science is powerless to probe. I wonder if the reason why 
so much of the earth is covered in oceans and we've only discovered or we've only mapped such a small amount of the ocean floor in detail is like you can't have this hyper complex soil right here under your nose that all seven billion of you can go <laughs> look at at any time but the trade-off is you get to look at pluto <laughs> it's like or we can map the whole ocean floor but you know, if you do that, then we're going to fucking throw in global warming and make a greenhouse effect so you can't look <laughs> outwards or something. Like, it's, it's... You realize the most accurate maps now that have ever been made of the ocean floor have been made by satellites. Yeah. it's So it's... <laughs> you know, you could you could tie this in to, to woo, right? You could tie it into the, uh-huh. the idea of, like, manifesting, right? It'd be the idea of focusing on something, and it's... Maybe you can't focus on... I don't know. You can't focus on the biggest thing ever. First, you got to focus. Like maybe Tom Brady is like trying to focus on like he, he wants to win the. He's what? He's won seven. He's been to ten Super Bowls. Tom Brady <laughs> has now won more Super Bowls as in as a player than any other franchise has. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I'm not even a big football guy. But the point is, is maybe it starts small. Maybe he has to like focus on. I just want to get put in the game. And then Drew Bledsoe get, gets fucking knocked the fuck out by some, you know, linebacker. <laughs> and Brady gets to play. And so his next his next manifestation is, is I want to win one game. And then or I want maybe, to win a Super or, Bowl. Or maybe you get fucked because it's like I'm from New Orleans. And we had Archie Manning as the quarterback for the Saints. Widely <laughs> considered one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Never went to the Super Bowl because the rest of the team was never quite capable of taking him there. And, of course, his family has now pretty much owned the goddamn league. Yeah. But Archie Manning himself never went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. In fact, I don't think he ever even went to a playoff game. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's because it it wasn't until the the 21st century that the – Leader, you know that, that our powers that be at the New Orleans Saints realized that you need more than one player who's any good to make up a team that can actually win. And then when we got someone who figured that out, we went to the Super Bowl and won the fucking thing. So yeah. it's like, uh, but the you know, meanwhile Archie Manning is back there. Everyone's like, if you look at his numbers. He is he's one of the best players in the history of the game. Uh, but he, he never even went to a championship game. Yeah. So, uh, you, yeah, you, you, you can find yourself there. It's like, okay, that was like the second Mars Mariner probe that sent back images that looked so much like the moon that everyone was like, oh, well, this is disappointing. This is, you know, we've been here before. And when they went past that and did another one, it turned out that was the only point on the surface of Mars that looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else was far more interesting. <laughs> it's kind of like... Somehow we hit the one spot, the most boring spot on the entire planet. For our one-time flyby. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Google Earth, right? And you go to some, like, I don't know how it is now. I haven't been on it in years. But when it first came out, I mean, you'd be scrolling up the East Coast. And it was, like, okay resolution. 
and then you get to Manhattan and and all of a sudden you could go down to like a nickel on the sidewalk and it's cuz mm-hmm. that's where the and it's like huh it's like that's the rendered place and then as yeah. it grows more you can go look at anywhere but it's well, like cuz those images weren't collected by satellites they were collected by airplanes that's a thing that's a thing that Google has been expanding year by year they uh they try to do urban areas by aerial reconnaissance to get better low resolution, you know, high, re- high resolution ground features. Uh, the, you, you can generally tell when you've switched from those areas to the actual satellite areas because the resolution goes way down. It becomes much blurrier. Uh, there was also a time after Hurricane Katrina uh, in particular where you would have, I remember a point when uh, the bridge that linked Biloxi to uh, the, the the other town in Alabama across the bay. It's like name slipped me, but but it's like there was a Google shot that showed the bridge starting out and the sort of fading out because the bridge had been destroyed by Hurricane oh. Katrina. So the old image was blended. on one side had the bridge. But the newer image from the other side didn't have the bridge. Okay, yeah. And so the bridge went like halfway across and just sort of faded out. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I remember when we moved from like Georgia to Maine in 2007, like six months into our move, you could still zoom in on our house in Georgia and like mm-hmm. our SUV was there. So it was like a weird <laughs> back, yeah, like looking at Earth from a distance kind of thing. Let's, yeah. What one more idea, and then we got to wrap this one up. Um, is what if what if the entire quantum engine is based on like all of us focusing on one thing? You could, I and mean, this is real big. Got put on your tinfoil trench coat, but it would be whatever the powers that be wanted. You would make a blockbuster film about, so everyone would be thinking about it. So like. I don't know, like Independence Day or something, right? Or maybe you'd make a movie like The Martian, and that's what would enable, the universe would enable us to make a breakthrough with sustainable habitats on Mars, right? If one guy could do it, what if we sent a whole team there? It could be a thing where it's like if we get the whole world thinking about it, it somehow provides like the excess, like, excess processing power of like everyone's focused on one thing like a whole bunch of radio telescopes in an array focusing on one part of the sky it can create the same uh, effect as one massive telescope right i wonder if it could be something like that you're focusing the world's consciousness on one thing right and that's how you get that thing i mean that's way down the rabbit hole but that's that's very new age that's (laughs) and this whole I'm... podcast has been new age. <laughs> this whole podcast has been the black magic of quantum mechanics, Roger. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? It's, uh, it's true, though. Yeah, remember, I'm, you know, uh... I know. Did, did my selling, uh, rocks to the new agers and you all did that pitch, stuff. episode 201. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's... In inter- well, you know, it's an interesting question. If it is a simulation, just how much of it is real? Uh, because once you open that rabbit hole, 
then it opens a a whole wormhole of new rabbit holes. It's too, it's like if anything isn't real, then is anything what is real? Is anything real? Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that you know if if you calculate the amount of information it takes to represent the universe, it turns out. I have done this calculation myself when I was a kid. Eliezer Yudkowsky did it. We got almost exactly the same result. And I know a couple of other people have done it. Uh, that uh, the, uni- the the classical universe with quantum aliasing requires about 10 to the 81st power bits of information. It turns out it takes about 220 bits to locate a, an electron within the observable universe to the resolution at which quantum mechanics allows you to fully determine its position. It takes about 330 bits to locate a proton or a neutron. Now, there are savings that are possible. You can represent a hydrogen atom in about 335 bits and it has an but it has an internal state that you also have to keep track of but that's a proton and an electron and a neutron no. yeah well deuterium yeah actually it doesn't take much more to do deuterium either uh helium about 350 bits so you start to ask well how much compression is the universe doing if it's playing these tricks to save information and you get up to the point where is it aware of us as conscious entities? Is it is it emulating us to for you? So, so, I, so is are our brains actually atoms and molecules and all these chemical reactions going, or are they being emulated? Is, and they- then what happens if we get a brain tumor? Do you have to? Yeah, are they only being so, are they only being simulated during brain surgery or an fMRI? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, that is a very deep rabbit hole and one that I have explored to great depth myself. Uh, and uh, all I can say is there is reason to suspect. You know, that we should at least take the idea seriously. Uh, the whole thing about the quantum shit, the s- simulation theory, is that people who are entirely serious uh, and who have devoted their lifetime to learning the advanced mathematics behind the physics and all think that we should take the idea seriously. Okay. Now it's one thing for me to come along. It's like I wrote a science fiction novel and I write computer programs and I'm saying, well, we should maybe seriously take the idea that the universe is a simulation seriously. It's quite another for someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. I actually don't think he has 
said that, but people on his level have said we need to take this idea seriously because Claude, Claude Shannon. Yeah. Uh, because it would actually explain a lot of things that are otherwise very difficult to explain. Most of them quantum shit. It's kind of a, sorry. No, no, that was, it's kind of a weird, it's like a weird bell curve. It's like, if it's all simulated, then, oh shit, like it has to be simulating everything, which is just massive computer power. But if the moon isn't real, and if Pluto isn't real, well, then it might actually imply a lot less computing power. Because like you said, if those aren't real, how do I know it comes down to solipsism? Do I know that anyone else exists other than me? And in which case, that has relatively nothing to simulate. It's got to have, right? The most would be when I go to a football game or stadium and see a lot of moving pieces, right? Or go see fireworks with a crowd. It would be, otherwise, it would have next to nothing. It would have to simulate, sure, it could simulate, it might have to simulate Pluto one day, but it's only simulating it when I'm looking at my phone screen. And then it's not simulating the rest of my apartment and fucking the ice cubes and the whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, and also, it's not necessarily simulating Pluto to the resolution that's simulating the Earth. Oh, yeah. It's, just uh, it's not necessarily simulating the interior of the Earth yeah. to the resolution that it is the surface where we live. You know, it can be doing a really fine job on the surface here where we live and taking all kinds of shortcuts in places that we wouldn't have any reason to notice because there's no way we can measure finely enough to tell. And, and that's even true. It's like, you know, when you look out in deep space with the Hubble telescope and instruments like that, uh, and, and we see all these galaxies and shit, they're telling us a story. That might be a story that actually happened. Or it might be a story that someone is telling us. Yeah, because, an implied, an yeah, implied because, history. Because because we, we started looking out there in this way, and so, oh, we had to make some pictures. Mm-hmm. All right, just like Mars was not there, then it was like a boring lunar environment, and then it was this fascinating, interesting place full of geological history. Yeah, it's kind of like... It's kind of like having to maintain a lie. If the universe shows us one picture, well, then that implies a whole bunch of physical laws that meant for these galaxies to be redshifted. So now it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck. Now every time they look somewhere, we have to make sure everything is just the same way. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. But if you look at the amount of information that has ever been collected from deep space compared to the amount of information that individual human beings collect through our senses living on the surface of the planet, it's still very small. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a relatively minor job to decide what the story's going to be and keep it straight while we start pointing shit at it. Uh, it's not even that big of a deal to say, okay, well, now Mars has to be a real place and, and Pluto has to have a surface and and, and all this is like compared to the day-to-day experience of human being, the amount of information that's been returned from those 
space missions is is really very modest. Even the amount that's implied by our you know interpolation of those measurements is not that bad. Uh, so asking whether the big programmer realized oh shit now they have telescopes we now now they're launching fucking space probes okay so we gotta but on the other hand we still have the speed of light they're not getting to alpha centauri anytime soon so we're good there they're not not (laughs) budging on that yeah yeah government might forgive student loan debt but it's like you ain't getting free health care if, yeah. if you want free health care, fine. We're going to war in the Middle East for the next century. It's like they're not budging on some stuff, right? It's Yeah. Speed speed of light still trumps everything. That's the so. that's like the developer's greatest hit. Is it's like he is known for it's like, oh, you've never met so and so? This is the speed of light guy. And they're like, oh shit. And it's like you saved us so much money. In, yeah. In, yeah, I mean, they started doing all this shit. It's like you wouldn't believe the over- cost overruns, but you. But kept we it took back. this. Guy, we took this guy on board <laughs> about you know about a thousand years ago. We brought him on board, and he's just right mm-hmm. now. He's just milking the patent money. He's just getting royalties every time we launch yeah. something. It's just like they pat him on the back. Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, but then you guys are thinking like, well, what about like history? So do we actually have – and then can you save a bunch of processing power by – did we live any single amount of life before this instant? Is our memory of the rest of this podcast, of me cutting my dick in the shower, of of past episodes, of me designing that shirt, of the previous 500 – are these all memories from right now that we're just looking back on and the universe is going, oh, fuck, give them a story? I think there you got chaos theory saying – Really, the, the the simpler explanation is that those things actually happened, that we did live our lives, and, and that you, it started you, off simple and got complicated, you, because there there is math that describes that, too. You could, uh, and in fact, the, the reason I love... Chaos theory is a, a really controversial thing in some circles, but the thing is... Uh, on the one hand, there are people who say chaos theory doesn't make any predictions, so it's not useful. It's not like uh, even a scientific uh, tool. But the other thing about chaos theory is that it explains how the world could come to look the way it does without God building it that way. It could just happen by random chance. And before chaos theory, we did not have any model that could explain that at all. So that is a big break in the history of human knowledge because we don't need God anymore. That's not to say that God doesn't exist. I know my dad is going to listen to this and he's very faithful. Uh, But it means we don't need God to explain things like why does the universe look the way it does why is it so complicated why does it have all these patterns because we've demonstrated that a very simple mathematical system can make these patterns like this happen without conscious in you know direction is is the woo 
that if you believe in a god, it has to create a god that is at least to you subjectively a god. Like it doesn't have to be an objective god. It just has to be so much more intelligent than you and so much more infinitely loving and forgiving that to you it's the same event horizon of, oh, it's a god. And then our near-death experiences are those as we make more of them and start to document them like Dr. Evan Alexander, is that the equivalent Uh of the probes going to planets where it's like, all right, the early ones are just, Oh, it's a white light. It's a white light. That's what it is. And then as it goes further into it, it's like, Oh, I visited my family and I visited. And it's just what we're doing is we're simulating a heaven. The universe is like, mm. fuck, now a lot of people believe. And they're all talking to each other. Tommy had a fucking podcast with a guy that had one. Damn it. Now we have to simulate it. <laughs> and so right now, they're simulating one just like they had to simulate Mars or Pluto. It's like they're creating one. Like it's, you go to the website, you go to the landing page, and it's like not finished yet, 404. It's, that's what death is right now. Is Right now, you just get the white light waiting room. But there will be <laughs> there will be paradise. We're just... We're working on it. It's you get well, heaven or the, you get intergalactic travel. Which do you want? It's uh, probably worth pointing out that the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, uh, basically believed that any god that you could conceive of would exist. They had their. This thought, is. I just thought of this, a great joke. <laughs> is it? Is it's I guess in our hyper hyper political climate you got to walk a careful road. <laughs> Isn't it in the Jewish faith that there's just nothing? Yeah, pretty much. Is that just the ultimate penny pinching? Which <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is not so anyway. we're not simulating. It. Rogers just completely ignoring that. <laughs> Rogers like I'm. <laughs> Rogers like I'm running for office next year. <sighs> You gotta give everybody their hydrogen bomb. Yeah, you gotta get you gotta get elected to do that. That's okay. true. That's true. Uh, the ancient Egyptians had the idea that any deity that you could conceive of existed because of the fact that you conceived of it. Okay. So their their religion is is what we call syncretic. It actually encompasses all other possible religions and embraces them as components of itself. And their idea of the afterlife was a little different. Uh, the and, and of course, everybody's was different because it was syncretic and everyone had their own idea. But the mainline idea of what happened when you died is that you would appear before Osiris and your soul would be weighed on a scale, which is amusing to me because I work for a scale company and uh, it would be weighed against on an equal balance. There are pictures of this against a feather. The feather is the goddess Mott and she represents truth. And it wasn't, evil or badness that made your soul heavy it was untruthfulness Mm. so you could be a thief but if you were a thief with a code of honor and you stuck to your principles and you didn't betray your your thief people who worked with you then 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 you could pass the test of being weighed against mott 
and you would go to the Egyptian afterlife and you might get reincarnated. Whereas if you didn't pass, you would get eaten by a, uh, one of the other Egyptian gods who was a dog. Uh, so Anubis? No, uh, it wasn't. I just like that's one of those things that just slipped out of my memory. But any anyway, the that that the whole the whole idea is that being reincarnated or living in the afterlife indefinitely wasn't guaranteed. You had to earn it by living a good life. But what was considered a good life was not quite the same as what Christians of the modern era consider, because you could be a thief or a bad person and still be true to yourself true to your occupation true to your trade true to your cohorts and you would be fulfilling your role in life and that would be enough you could come back and do it again or go on to something better now the whole idea of syncretic religion was completely undermined by oh uh some tribe that believed in being called Yahweh or something like that. Uh, because it was much more common in those days for, you know, just like the Egyptians overran a lot of people and conquered them. And they didn't make them give up their religion. Instead, they incorporated the religions of the people they conquered into their own, which made things, which really greased a lot of rails, if you think about it, as far as the conquered people taking up the, you know, civilization that had overran them as being citizens, members of that civilization instead of conquered enemies or slaves. Uh, the fact that the Egyptians were known to do this is one of the reasons that the whole story in the Bible of the enslavement of the uh, Jews is considered in some quarters to be poppycock uh, because the Egyptians didn't really do that. In fact, the you know, it, from what we can tell from their own records, the you know, being allowed to work on a pyramid was a fucking privilege that you would work for your whole life. And, you know, spending 10 years of your life helping to build a pyramid would be a tremendous honor that you would then tell your grandchildren about. Uh, it's kind of like, <clears throat> kind of like McDonald's all over the world. Like they don't try to shove hamburgers down your throat. Like they do native dishes, depending on where you are. <laughs> They're just, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, um, fuck, what was I going to say? Yes. What does McDonald's serve in India? No, that they, they, but they actually do. Do you know? Yeah. I mean, the, yes, I know. Uh, there's yeah, a McDonald's yeah. is in India. It's not even like remotely, like it's not even remote, remotely McDonald's. It's. I was gonna say last, and then I gotta, I gotta give my mom a call. So we gotta wrap this one up. Is um, well, two things. One, we could say that things in the past actually happened, but that's why our memories are so limited. Like, you know. How, what can you remember from a year ago today? Maybe we did a podcast and you can maybe, maybe you and I did an episode and we can be like, oh yeah, I remember, I vaguely remember that episode. Yeah. But it's just a little, 
you don't you're not remembering every fiber of the carpet you stepped on and you know yeah. the, the the rays of sun hitting each leaf it's very spotlighted Oh, he goes through a Ferrari transform and gets uh, limited and compressed. You get a little, like, yeah, you get a, a pixel. Yeah, and when we remember it, we, re, we re-expand it, and a lot of times that re-expansion is inaccurate. It's faulty. Which is, why I, which is why eyewitness testimony is so sketchy, because uh, particularly when we're under stress, when we encode that thing in our mm-hmm. memory, we don't do it correctly. And when we re-expand it, we may not do that correctly yeah, the instruments so even, doing you know, the coding are fucked up adrenaline are yeah. expanded different ways yeah it's 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 known and in fact the the whole fact the way the law works is that witness eyewitness testimony is considered sacrosanct it is the basis of the law and now that we know that eyewitness testimony is itself fatally flawed it is terrible uh, other forms of evidence are far better. Uh, but the law dates to a time when those other forms of evidence didn't exist. And so uh, common law holds testimony to be sacrosanct. And in fact, you can only admit hard evidence like DNA evidence or you know blood work or anything like that that has to be introduced into a courtroom through a testimony of an expert that is giving witness. And I had this explained to me by a lawyer once uh, when I was arguing about you know a case where the eyewitness testimony was clearly crap. And he said, well, this is the whole basis of the law. This is what the law is based on. It goes back a thousand years and i was like you know no one had ever told me anything before that that made me think we might need to just throw the whole thing away and reinvent it from scratch but that made me think maybe we need to just throw the whole thing away and reinvent it from scratch if it's that if it's that based on something so obviously fucked up and he was like no one ever told him that before so that was yeah i think it's where was it from i forget what book it was but it was about like ufo testimony from trained fighter pilots and it was like it's one thing if it's billy bob from the swamps telling you you saw a ufo it's another thing if it's a fighter pilot and then it's like Mm -hmm. second of all people's lives are determined by eyewitness testimony so if we're going to send people to jail we have to at least acknowledge that they maybe see a light flying around it's uh but i was going to say is is COVID? And then we got. We have to wrap it up on this. I gotta call my mom. Is COVID? <laughs> is COVID the ultimate? Like trying to limit uh, processing power? Is it just like fuck it? Everyone stay home and and just if we just live through a screen, we can lower the processing power. <laughs> is it just everyone stop? Maybe that's fucking global warming. We're like, oh, nature's healing, and it's like, no, the fucking CPU is just cooling down, like. If if it is, it was a really bad design on the big te- computer's part. It was, Cause, yeah, because it, it was really good design epidemiologically to just kill a lot of people, but <laughs> it wasn't a good enough design to kill enough of them to make a, the a big change home. in the demographics. Yeah. yeah, too too many too many of the assholes survive. 
it's yeah, so it's nepotism. So, it's nepotism of the computer developer. His dad is the one yeah. that developed Speed of Light, <laughs> and his son got the job because of his dad. And he's like, "I got the next best thing." And they're like, "What?" And he's like, "A pandemic." And they're like, "You only got this job because your dad was the Speed of Light guy, <laughs> right?" I feel like if Tom Brady's son was drafted, they'd be like, "Is he really that good?" Or is it just because he's Tom Brady? You know. It's like, oh, you you did the COVID thing. Like, oh, yeah. this is why we don't do nepotism. Because no, he ain't no speed of light guy. This was, as back in last January, people were realizing, the people who knew the math and who saw the early numbers knew that COVID was almost perfectly designed to kill the maximum number of people. Not because it kills a lot of people. It's not like Captain Trips and the Stephen King you know, novels like The Stand, but because it kills just enough to fuck else. up the healthcare system, it stays contagious but dormant, so you don't know you're sick for an entire week. Then lays you out flat for two weeks if it, if it hits you. And sometimes it doesn't even hit you for that. But what it actually does is it takes 5% of the population and puts them in the hospital. And we don't have enough hospital rooms for 5% of the population to all need one at the same time. So that causes a bunch of people to die because they can't get health care, which they otherwise would have been able to get for other things. So it was just like, you know, I, re- I remember a couple of posts of people freaking out before it was a big deal anywhere else from the news from Wuhan going, this is fucking serious. This is this yeah, is this is like nasty before it even came here. And then when it came here, it was like, oh, yeah, it's not it's a big deal. And it's like, oh, no, it's uh, it's going to be a big deal. And I was exposed to one of the first hundred people in the state of Louisiana who po- tested positive. And in that time, you couldn't get a test unless you were half dead with a fever because there were no tests. There was no infrastructure at all to deal with any of it. And our company sent us all home. It's like, all right, we've been told we're going to work for home for a while. And about a week later, I got up in the morning got up to, to stand up and almost hit the floor because my hips hurt so much. And no one had told anyone that joint pain was one of the symptoms of COVID. So I was walking around for a couple of weeks thinking, oh, crap, now I've got arthritis. My mom had it. She had to have both hips replaced. It was a mess. You know, and uh, then it's faded away. Well, arthritis don't fade away. That was when I went and I found out that where they tested everyone in Wuhan, they found out that 16% of the people who tested positive said their only symptom was joint pain. I was like, oh, that's wonderful. I had COVID. Nepotism and universe development. This is what you get. If his dad, if faster than light guy designed this, it would have been a Ebola with a two week dormancy. If he had, yeah. if he had the same, everybody dies. If he had the nobody. If he was cut from the same yeah. cloth as his dad, if he had the same grit as his old man, 
He would have. He would have done this right. His dad's yeah. just his dad's like you're riding my coattails. This ain't no faster than light genius. The dog, the dogs and cats would be evolving to replace us as we speak. That would it would all be done. That would yeah. was the Cuban Missile Crisis their attempt to try to turn <laughs> off the computer, and that's why they killed Kennedy. Is they were so mad at him for defusing it. <laughs> the developers were like, "Fuck this guy, he's a hacker." <laughs> He's trying to burn the computer out, and they just rage quitted Kennedy. And you heard it. He and, was, he, and he and he was fucking Marilyn Monroe. And he was fucking. They're like, this guy's too good. It's <laughs> too good. It's you heard it here first. The developers of the universe killed Kennedy because he offset the Cuban Missile Crisis. Roger, that was that was almost a five-hour podcast. <laughs> I call my mom at eight thirty every night, so I got to call. Where, well, you know, we we had to make up time. We did. It's been a while. We did, and I think we did it brilliantly. Yeah, that was fun. Next time, I have more curators to read for you. Beautiful. I don't think I can do another five-hour quantum computing. <laughs> Just like the. I think we only spent. I think we only really spent a, a an hour or two on quantum computing. I think we lot. spent the rest of it on peripheral shit. Absolutely. Which is the essence of the simulation. We only focused in on the subatomic details for a little bit, and then we drove to Burger King. Like, the simulation, yeah. it was smooth sailing after that. My brain's cooked. <laughs> Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. Available in the description. I'm my, my, I can't think right now. I gotta go get some food. <laughs> yeah, go get some food. I gotta fucking... <laughs> That was great, though. That was great, Roger. Thank you, my friend. I will uh, e- I'll text to you or email to you whenever it's up. And uh, if you like the shirt Roger's wearing, I'll put that in the description as well. Bob Lazar, Area Bob 51 Lazar. hoodie. Fuck yeah. yeah. And uh, as far as I know, no aliens came today, July 18th. Maybe we should check the... Let's check as the, far as we know. Let's check the news really quickly. And then we'll wrap this up. With like Within like 30 seconds, we'll finish the show out. Is... Aliens, no aliens. Aliens, no aliens. Nope. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. Nothing happened. No saucers hovering above so, Los Angeles so far, right? Somebody posted on on Throw Alien. Uh, so it turned out this was just a hoax. And the top comment was, "No shit, it was a hoax." <laughs> <laughs> I go, yeah. Listen, the fact that I wasn't balls deep in it. Tells you this is a low quality hoax. The Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> of hoaxers, I'm giving it a three percent. It's not worth it. QAnon's fifteen percent, twenty percent if you get drunk. All right, a good fifty or sixty <laughs> is moon conspiracies. Ninety is a good simulation one where you can maybe back it up with quantum physics. Yeah. Bottom of the barrel is QAnon. This <laughs> July eighteenth was just July eighteenth was the was the shitty conspiratorial guy trying to get funding for a shitty conspiracy. He was lying. Roger, we gotta wrap this one up. I'm exhausted. I'll email it to you when it's up, and uh, we'll resume. See you next time. Alright, big dog. Take it easy. Recording stopped. God bless everybody. Stay safe. Peace.